All right. Are we ready to start uh, <clears throat> winding into the last right, I need half? to get myself in the Sailor Moon mindset. Oh, mean, I'm, means, all, I'm always means, in the Sailor Moon mindset. He means, <laughs> he means get his penis out. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Only if yeah. it's for Sailor right. Jupiter. <laughs> it was like half, it was like halfway into season two and then Anna was like, wait, is there butt hanging out in that transformation sequence? <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> John, why do you watch this with no pants on? Roses are red, violets are blue, we're just here to fuck you, we are the Cast, episode 13. I am your graciously awesome, wonderful, and always stupendous host, Polly. And to my immediate virtual right, he's just one fap away from one million, it's Rhett! Hi. How's it, how, how you, how's it going, Rhett? <laughs> going good. Going good? How you feeling about that one million? We're gonna make it special. You're gonna make it. Spe- Are you gonna tweet about it or anything, or maybe <laughs> maybe live stream it? Oh, I don't know about live stream. <laughs> I want. Don't think so. I want some aftermath uh, pics, personally. I mean, this is one million. You only get one <laughs> one million, right? I don't think pics are what you actually want. That's gross. <laughs> what are you asking me to just be there and give you a handy then? Well, that wouldn't be one million then. It could be. Well, okay, I could just be talking about your one millionth orgasm. So by that, by that, by that definition, are you suggesting that the two are synonymous? I think I don't see why not. Have you tried the Dutch butter? <laughs> <laughs> so, Rhett, it's been way too long since we've sat down and actually decided to record ourselves a podcast, huh? Yeah, it's been a whole four days. We don't do this nearly enough. Nope. <laughs> What's what's your excuse? Why you always got to be lazy? Sorry. This is. I, I tell you, like I know that last year I cut you a lot of slack because you were new at this, and now you're just. I, I don't know. What, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. I mean, get your act together. This is the final time I'm telling you. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's save that one millionth for me. Make sure you say my name. And to my immediate virtual left, he's a frog. It's John Thayer. I support the frogification of video games. How is it going, John Thayer? I am doing really well, thanks. How close to one million are you? Maybe it'll probably a little ways off more. Think it's going to be another few years? Yeah, probably. Are you going to be younger than y'all? Are you going to document the one million? I think I'll make a game about it. I think you should. <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> I think good. You should. <laughs> Ah, so you feeling all right, John? You ready to get a podcast going? I feel damn good. You always feel damn good. Got that's that's always tea here. I'm sitting comfy in my chair. Life is good. Awesome, awesome. And we've got a very special guest with us today. Very first time on the Socks Cast. His very first Socks Make People Sexy appearance, to my knowledge. 
Um, he is basically the most prolific streamer on Twitch.tv, and he is also <laughs> Wario in the flesh. It is Eric of Eric's Joystick. Hey, how's it going? How's it going, Eric? Thanks for joining <laughs> us today. Thank you for having me. So, you are like a big-time streamer, so it's pretty crazy that we got somebody of your stature to come here oh, and join God. us. <laughs> hey, you know, it's, you know, you, 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 get, you got me where you wanted me, I guess. Just like Rhett, I got you where I want you. <laughs> So you're at twitch.tv slash Eric's Joystick, huh? Yes. And you stream on Hawaiian Standard Time, and that's very... That is very unorthodox for probably... It's very (laughs) inconvenient for many, many people. Yeah, it's it's just like, I remember trying to... I remember when we first met, and it was just like, I didn't know where you lived. And it was just like, I know that you streamed, and it was just like, I would go to your channel and see, like, okay, he's got, like, all of these videos, and I see that he streams, but when the hell is it? And, it was, and then I finally caught that the, 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 the timer at the bottom right said HST and not PST. I was like, oh, that explains a lot why I never get to see his streams. But now I go to sleep listening to his streams a lot because it's very relaxing and it's always really funny. Uh, and he plays a lot of really fun games. And he's really good at games, by the way. Yes. Go to his channel yes. if yes, you want. Yes, I am. If you want, like, top-tier, AAA quality, games-done-quick-level speedrunning kind of shit, you go to Eric's Joystick. Isn't that right, Eric? <laughs> yes. <laughs> So you'll, you'll see, you'll see such moves as running into fucking walls and jumping off ledges by accident and all that good stuff. But you, you're also known to bust out in the song every now and then. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. You like to sing songs about taking a big dump when you get home, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we featured that uh, as the outro to a Sox cast uh, a couple of months back, actually. <laughs> so I've been told. <laughs> So, um, Eric, why don't you tell us, uh, I mean, other than the details that I haven't already given everybody that are 255% true, tell us who you are, what do you do? I, I work at a coffee shop. That's it. Coffee is terrible. (laughs) Coffee is the shit. No, dude. Hold on a second. Let me close my door. These matter. Let's be real here. Right. I mean, we all know it. I would rather drink tea than coffee. Yeah, there the we wind go. is like it keeps moving the door, so it's like every couple seconds, kind of annoying. It's like Sorry. it's like those Hawaiian ghosts are coming to get you finally. It's, it's the night marchers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What the hell have you been up to, Eric? What you want to talk about? What have I been up to? Yeah. I've been uh, well. I I got Monster Hunter Four Ultimate today. Oh, did you? Have, ooh, yes. neat. Have you, have you actually... Games look cool. Have you had any time to sink into it uh, since you got it? Or did no, you... we, I just got home with it, so... Oh, did you play uh, the demo? Yeah, I played the demo. What'd you think Quite of a, that? It's pretty great. It's pretty great. Um, have you any, ever played any Monster Hunter games before? I have been playing since the first one came out on PS2. I didn't Damn. play that much. Yeah, I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan, but I'm, I'm a fan. And uh, I spent I put a lot of hours into uh, Monster Hunter Monster Hunter Freedom Two and Freedom Unite and just and so forth and so I'm I'm really excited to check this one out. Cool. Yeah, like when I heard the like that and Majora's Mask 3D were coming out today and that you were getting both of them, I thought, well, 
he's officially got reasons to not be on our dumb podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the Monster Hunter games look like I look like the kind of thing that's just really, really ridiculously up my alley. I'm just kind of waiting for the time to like jump in. This oh, is like a pretty I, I good hear, time. I hear now is like the best. This one's like the best. Uh, you know, jump in point. Series. Yeah. Oh, neat. Don't yeah. they just kind of keep getting better? I thought that was the vibe I always got. I, oh. Switching from two to three, I, there were some, th- some things in the third game that I didn't like. Uh-huh. Like, uh, like not necessarily didn't like, but like I just like could do without, I guess. Which like the underwater battling and stuff, and uh, mm-hmm. that I was think okay. I actually have the Wii. I think I actually have that one on the Wii, but I just kind of am more excited about maybe just getting the getting this fourth one and just just sinking myself into it. Because it's like you're just fighting a bunch of bosses and then preparing to fight the bosses, right? Yeah. Oh. Uh, like the uh, part. I, the part I hate the most is like the, when when they run away to a different part of the map and start healing. <laughs> that just annoys. Like I played the demo uh, for Monster Hunter Four um, and Jetstorm Four uh, uh, gave me a code for that. So thank you very much. I played the demo for about four or five hours and. Just consistently, like, I kept running, like, Great Jaggy, come on, who can't beat Great Jaggy? Me. <laughs> now, I can beat Great Jaggy, but it, it took way longer than it should have, because it's like, stop running away, you twat. I think the thing about that is, um, eventually you, you start learning, like, the areas and what monsters run off to what areas, and, you know, being able have, to, like... Do they have determined patterns of where they go, or do they just go to a random yeah, spot every they time? Do. Sometimes they do. Some maps, yeah. <clears throat> cool. Like, uh, you know, if, if a monster is about, like, he's on the brink of death or whatever, it'll fly to a specific area, like its nest, and rest there, and you can uh, you can plan what you want to do to, like, finish it off. And don't they have, like, uh, like I think it's, like, a paint or something? A paintball like that you, yeah, you, you can throw you can at track it. it? Yeah, so I guess yeah. that sort of helps things a little bit. So <laughs> it really is just, like, a hun- monster hunter, isn't yeah. it? It literally this is Monster Hunter. Like, like I, I guess I went in thinking, oh, this looks a lot like Dark Souls. And, like, I tried to play it that way, I guess. And that's totally not the way you want to go about doing that. <laughs> from what I've played from Dark Souls, I think I think it shares a lot in common. Really? It. Like, le- learning boss patterns, uh, learning, like, animation and... Managing stamina. Learning, yeah, there you go. Managing stamina and... and uh, the speed... Well, the speed of your attacks is also very slow in yes. both games. Like, yeah, that what? seems like the kind of uniting thread there, and yeah. the thing that really interests me because that you know that's that's that is a tradition going like all the way back to like Castlevania and stuff is that thing where they make you commit commit to certain actions so that it just gives it a different kind of experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I dig it. Yeah, I, I definitely recommend it. If, if you're uh, if you're on defense about it, I mean, there's a demo, so I mean, yeah, there's a demo, so you can definitely, try, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think for me, it was just like a combination of me going into it with the wrong attitude, plus like those controls, those are unwieldy at times. Yeah, I guess. Oh yeah, that's like a thing for Monster Hunter, isn't it? It gets a little tricky. It's a lot better than it used to be, though. I remember from the first game on the PS2, you had to fight with like your analog stick, like the right analog stick, to pull off moves, and Wait, it kind of really. Yeah, you have to use the right. I, I use. I remember having to use the right analog stick. That's really weird. Like, there wasn't 
much camera camera control. I think you have to use a D-pad for camera control. Yeah, that's how it is in this yeah. one. Yeah. And the D-pad is on the left, but so is your movement stick. Well, I, I you can use the you can use the, the touchscreen. I I use the touchscreen mapping. Oh, you can do that? Yeah, you can. It's it's actually a lot better than I thought it would be. Wow, they I don't remember them explaining that to me at all. And I, I I like that with the 3DS version, there's a lot of like customizability on the bottom screen on the touchscreen. Mm-hmm. So like you can you can set like items and you can set your map and you can set your you, that D-pad for the camera control and all this other cool stuff and it makes it, like, it makes it really personal and stuff. And um a lot of things do come in handy. Yeah, yeah, it's like a definitely I think I've definitely in the past year or so I've definitely come around on using the touch screen to do stuff, especially, you know, with you know, I played through Ocarina of Time for the first time ever last year and it was using uh the 3DS and it was just like that was a hell of a better experience than imagining trying to go through the water temple with, you know, like having to pause the menus and do all that shit. Mm-hmm. And he's like, nope, oh, that's not gotta be it fun. It just discourages kinda experimenting <laughs> and that's kinda what that kind of puzzle needs. Is just being able to like fluidly try a bunch of different things quickly. Yeah, and the touch screen, the touch screen, and the touch screen really process. lets you do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you get to swap <laughs> items on the fly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I never played Ocarina of Time 3D, so I can't. I don't really. It's really I good. Playing, like, I, I, well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how I feel after actually finishing Ocarina of Time. Oh, you have um, uh, my you- wife. <clears throat> my wife just just started Ocarina of Time. She's like playing it in the other room, and it's her first Zelda. She's really digging it. She's playing the 3DS version. Ah, very smart. It's, it's really nice because I get to kind of vicariously relive that exp- that game, and it's it's just like, oh wait, this game's really fucking good, isn't it? <laughs> so, Erica, like, is this your like you're streaming Ocarina of Time on and off? I am. Um, is this your first time playing it? Not necessarily the first time playing it, but um, I haven't played it in a, I'd, I'd say a couple, almost two, almost twenty years. So, oh, wow. not twenty years. Um. Wow, <laughs> over a decade, yeah. It's been since I played it. Wow, since I played the first time when. Yeah. Cool. I was cool. I was like a teenager when I first played it. So you're so. digging on the Monster Hunter, um, but that just came out, so you haven't had a lot of time to sink your teeth into it, other than the demo. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, other than the demo, yeah. Cool. Up to anything else? Um, I well, I mean, as uh, I've been playing Xenoblade, I've been streaming Xenoblade also. Yeah, like, watching you stream that is sort of like... It, it Because the way you're playing it is, like, the way that I would want to play it. Because I noticed that you're not doing, like, a lot of the side quests, because there are 480 side quests in that game. Wow. Uh, and I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, there are 480 really dumb, small side quests. Um, and the way you're playing it is you're not really bothering with them much at all. And, like... That's one of the reasons I stopped playing that game when I first got it was I have really bad OCD. Um, so, like, my brain would not let me leave an area until I had collected all of the quests, even though they are largely inconsequential to the storyline. And, yeah, I spent way too much of my first time trying to attempt that game. But watching you, like, have your go at it has really, like, it's like, you know, I can probably play that game through and just ignore that shit entirely since that's what you're doing. Yeah, what I, well, what I like about it is that you can kind of play at your own pace. Like, like if you want to, you can you, you can just you can either just plow through the main story or just be like, okay, let's 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 stop here and and do a side quest here and do do a thing here. Or let's gain like a few levels or something. Yeah, 
<clears throat> yeah, it's it's really. I guess it's, you kind of say it's like kind of laid back when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's um and, and like the combat, even though it's kind of active and a little MMOE and kind of like Final Fantasy twelve, um, it's still really easy to play and sort of just like relax and you know do what you need to do. Yeah, like to get just just to get battles through, get through battles and whatnot. And I think what well what I've been learning is that there's it's a lot deeper than I than I'd have initially imagined. Oh. Because like there's chain attacks and you can you can pull off all these 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 crazy like chain attacks and all these de- like wow um, big numbers. I like, I like big numbers. It. I like big numbers too. And um, you know you, you got your basic stuff and then you learn all this other stuff like with uh shit. <laughs> that I, like last time I I learned that you can stack debuffs. Oh, like you... like stacking debuffs on enemies. So you're still like learning cool new things about that game. Yeah. And you, like, you're not, like, a big... Like, like, I know from, like, hearing you talking about it on your channel a lot, twitch.tv... twitch.tv <laughs> slash Eric's joystick, um, <laughs> that uh, you're not, like, the biggest um, JRPG kind of guy. No, I'm not. I... I played... I haven't played that many... In my day, you know, I played the like the essential Final Fantasy seven, and and I've I've played through Grandia two. I've never got to finish Grandia one, and uh, Grandia one gets kind of boring uh, near the end, but Grandia two is pretty damn solid all the way through. Yes, yes, it is. You played that on Dreamcast, I assume. I sure did. Hell yeah, a regular PSO uh, alumni. Uh, yeah, That's came right. with the I got I got the one with the soundtrack and everything, and um. So, you know, there's Final Fantasy VII, got your Grandia 2, and, uh... I like Chrono Trigger. I <laughs> never... Did you know? I literally never played Chrono Trigger. I played oh Chrono Trigger. It's good. Shit, though. It's real good. You, I like Chrono Trigger Like, a lot. yeah, if, if you were going to play another JRPG, like, ever, I would definitely say go, go with Chrono Trigger. Yeah. That game is so, like, flawless top to bottom. It's ridiculous. Drop any, everything. Uh, any preferred platform? Uh, it's on the virtual console, I think, so yeah. you should be oh, I think the original SNES version is probably ideal there. Yeah. So but the DS, DS version is. is fine, too. Yeah, yeah the DS version's alright. Um, which, which one would you consider the, the definitive experience? Uh, I, I mm. think that, all, like, other than the, the other than the PlayStation 1 version of that game, which you should avoid like the plague, because it's just <laughs> so badly optimized, and, like, there's loading where there doesn't even need to be. Mm. Um, oh yeah, it's dreadful. <laughs> but um, I would say just you know go ahead and get the virtual console release um, because that's ba- you know that is essentially the SNES version and that's the version I've been playing for the most part you know ever since the damn game came out. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the um, DS um, translation the main the main difference is that there's a new translation and I think it's probably a little more accurate but it reads a little more dry. Whereas the uh, the SNES, they're both fine. The SNES version script, uh, it has a lot of like fun little. I think it has a little more color. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. And one gigantic mistake. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Is it is it a is it a typo? Oh well, there's no. It's 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 the kind of thing that like (laughs) only people like me care about, and even then, some of the mistakes kind of just make it more interesting. Yeah, in so, a roundabout way. In the no SNES way, ideal there. 
in no way, like, are you going to be, like, missing out on anything if you don't catch what the major screw-up is. Um, so I would definitely say go uh, with the... We're the, talking about um, One Among You Needs Help Fast, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, that's a line that got screwed up, but and you think that either someone can be saved that actually can't be, or you think that you're still missing a side quest somewhere when you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so Which I think Pat argued pretty ele- elegantly on the site that that actually kind of adds to the text. It in really some does. Ways. It really does. Given the circumstance that that character that 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 line could be referencing is in, mm-hmm. it's definitely a cool thing. But it's not something that you would notice, and it's not something that even happens until like you are going into the final dungeon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, play yourself. And then all the other things are, like, little tiny interesting things, like the Black Omen was called the Black Dream in J- Japanese, and you can, I, I just kind of like pouring over, like, the fan-created text docs that go over every little detail and difference. Yeah. And, but, right, we're probably that, going a little, we're probably going yeah, a little yeah. deeper yeah. here. Right yeah, here. but, that, <laughs> but that, stuff, that stuff is, like, nothing you even have to pay attention to, to really enjoy Chrono Trigger and what mm-hmm. it is, just by what it is by itself. It's basically, like, I, I have not played a more perfect JRPG. Mm-hmm. It got, it got my wife into, it got Anna into video <laughs> games, just straight up. She just loved it. She hadn't really played, we played Nino Kuni together, and that was pretty good, and then we played, um, Chrono Trigger together, and it was just no going back from there. It's really good. So now we're busting his balls to, <laughs> to play Chrono Trigger. Get off the <laughs> podcast, drop everything right now, go play it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I and also Monster Hunter 4 and Majora's Mask 3. Yeah, actually, skip those. Just go do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So how's... Uh, <clears throat> have you started uh, Majora's Mask 3D yet? Me? Yeah. No, I haven't. Not yet. Um, I actually bought it for Daisy because she's the bigger she's the bigger um, Zelda fan than I so am. So you're, you're going to get to it at some point. Well, I was going to I was gonna play it after I beat... Uh, shit, what's it called? Uh, Ocarina of Time mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. stream. Cool. I'm, I'm going to play the original. I have the... Uh, I have the... The collection, the GameCube disc, sitting oh. around here somewhere. Oh wow! Yeah, cool. just complete all yeah, that. Yeah, those two games bounce off each other in neat ways. It's probably it's definitely worth finishing Ocarina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So good old Xenosaga, but yeah, like <clears throat> your stream has definitely got me into like giving that game another try. Um, so Xenoblade, not yeah. Xenosaga. <laughs> I have Xenosaga. I mean, Polly's number one Xenosaga, no number one Xenosaga fan around here. So. Yeah, I'm like the Xenosaga head, so I was just kind of surprised that Xenoblade, since it is essentially by the same group of people, I'm surprised it didn't grab me, even you know with all the faults I found with it. Um. Uh, but yeah, I'm definitely going to give Xenoblade uh, another shot sometime here in the future. So d- it's the idea that it basically pulls off the idea that it basically pulls off the single player MMO thing a lot better than Final Fantasy XII. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Ah, uh, you're playing I mean, anything, anything else? There's Xenoblade X coming out. I, I I know you're getting a Wii U. You plan on getting? Yeah, a Wii U. I'm, I'm getting probably, a Wii U. Definitely. Yeah, I, I would definitely recommend Xenoblade X then. Yeah. I'm surprised they haven't, like, announced, like, I know that they needed something to sell that new 3DS platform, uh, and I'm surprised that it was, like, Xenoblade, like, that, 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 that that's the game they're going for, because that game's not very portable-friendly, I don't think. Um, I don't think the 3DS would do it justice. And I don't think that the that the, the new 3DS version of that game looks very good, either. No way, it not looks, at all. It looks really bad. Not I mean, at all. I mean, like, the Wii game itself is basically the- one of the best-looking... Uh, Wii games I've seen. Yeah. 
And like them cramming that down into that tiny little hardware just seems so I don't weird think to me. It, would do it, justice it, it doesn't look quite as. And I'm surprised that like you know if you've got that game coming out for Wii U, you know, and like Nintendo hurting for sales as bad as they are, I can't see why there wouldn't be some kind of like you know budget release of the original Xenoblade Chronicles, especially when people are still scalping that game for what like fifty bucks. Yeah. Jeez. So yeah, is the I idea here I, that the best thing way to play experience Xenoblade is to get that fancy dolphin emulator and play in like 1080p on a PC? That's what a lot, a lot of people do that. That sounds okay. really nice. I'm just, just going to play it on my TV because I'm not a fucking weirdo, though. Okay. <laughs> oh, come It looks so good, though, Polly. I, eh. I looked at it on my TV. I was just like, oh, God. I can't <laughs> do that. Yeah, but your, your TV. Are are there? Your TV literally fell out of a butt, Rhett. No, I have a, I have a modern one now. Oh. But I don't... How do you, how do you connect a Wii to a new TV through not something that's not butts? <laughs> <laughs> I use component and it looks fine to me. Are those... That's the red, white, That's yellow. the red, green, blue. Oh, see, I don't have those. Oh, see, the game would look just uh, fine if you did component. Yeah, I've got composite, mm-hmm. I think. Or yeah, one. that's composite. It looks like ass. <laughs> yeah, but that's SD, and that game's not really made to be seen in SD format because, like, doesn't the text still get all screwy? It's letterboxed, so... Yeah, it, it looks pretty awful. You know where it looks really good is in 1080p on Dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, Sonic Colors look so pretty. There's your Sonic reference for the episode. I should get on that. Actually, I started playing Sonic Generations on PC recently, too. Oh, hell Ooh. yeah. That game's oh, really good. There is no going. I played it on the 360, and there's like, I can I can run the thing, you know, 1080p, 60 frames, and like honestly, it's like seeing the promised land. It really is. That game's visuals, like I want to eat them. They're that good. I went straight from Sonic Generations to um, Sonic Colors through composite cables on a really big, ugly TV. It was just the saddest thing. It's Generations. Generations (laughs) is so good. It is. But we have said that. <laughs> I've lost count of the number of times we've endorsed Sonic Generations on this podcast. It's really, really good, though. <laughs> How does it compare with the number of times we've endorsed Sonic Adventure? I hate you, John. M- much higher, actually. What if I just said Sonic Adventure is great like 20 times? Would it even out the numbers? No. Okay, never mind. No. Because be if, pretty- if you tried to do that, I would just kick you from the call. <laughs> <laughs> so, is Xenoblade new 3DS coming out over here? Um, oh, the, the the little wait is 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 the, is there going to be a new 3DS? Yeah, Xenoblade there's thing? like the new. That's what the Xenoblade is. That's it's it's like the system's only exclusive. The um, new. Oh app. no, no, I know, I know. It's going to be like exclusive to the new 3DS. But is there going to be like a, a a model? I guess with like a Xenoblade oh. design on it. Oh, I don't know. I'm just wondering if the game itself is coming out over here. Oh, oh yeah, it is. Sure. Yeah, I, I think mean, it's uh, going to be out in uh, April, I think. Yeah, I mean, it would have to be if they're going to release that damn thing here because there's nothing else coming out for it at the moment. I just... Nintendo and their naming systems, like... Yeah, I... Do they really want to introduce more confusion by having a new 3DS-only game? It's just... I don't feel... <laughs> good for those GameStop employees that have to explain to people, oh, no, no, you only can play this on a new 3DS XL. But I just got this 3DS last week. It's new. (laughs) 
Oh, don't worry. At GameStop, they'll sell you a new used, a used new 3DS. A used new 3DS. <laughs> Good times. Uh, so what the hell else are you doing, Eric? Uh, I've been playing Starbound. Uh, there was a recent, there was this really big update for like the first, the first update in like over almost a year. And it, uh, it adds a lot of new stuff. So this is uh, one of those like sort of big explory slash buildy games by the creators of Terraria, right? No, it's not. Well, I mean, I think some of the people from Terraria worked worked on it's the, the game, artist, right? On the game. I think so. Yeah. Um, Somebody sent me a gift of an early access to that game, and I it, it like glitched out and wouldn't load the gift, and I tried like a ten, an hour to fix fix it, and now I can't play Starbound. That's <laughs> a it's so sad because I fucking love Terraria. I think you might you would probably like Starbound a lot more. Yeah, really? Like, I played Terraria yeah. for like 30 hours. There's I I I well I mean I couldn't really get into Terraria for for a couple of things like um like gathering and building and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Which Starbound it has, time. but it's way faster. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's way faster. It took me a couple tries, I think, to get into Terraria, and then I just lost like a month into it, and then finished it, finished most of the content that was there, and then put it down. Yeah, I I, I kind of did the same thing. My my experience was a lot faster and more disappointing. Oh, <laughs> um, but Starbound, it's I, I've already like, but even before this this big update, I put I poured like two hundred plus hours easily oh jesus and i feel like i i feel like i could put in a couple hundred more it's That's really a lot fun of time. yeah yeah it is so are you more into the like explory stuff or the buildy stuff um depends what i'm in the mood for which is great because you know i like i mean starbound it does really well on both both the exploring and building aspect I, I guess, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Starbound looks really nice. Is it finished yet? No, it's not finished Whatever yet. Whatever that entails? Oh. <clears throat> is, no. or is it out of early access? I wish. They're, they're still working, because what, what they want to do is that they're doing... There's, there's going to be supposedly three different progression systems. One's going to be for uh, for mining. One is going to be for combat, like, you know, fighting bosses, exploring. Because they now they have dungeons, kind of, sort of. And uh, one's going to be for, like, farming... So like running a farm or running like a a planet or managing like a planet with towns and stuff and oh I didn't know they were gonna be doing like like a sort of like world simulation kind of thing I at least that's, that's really what I remember cool. reading yeah it's gonna be, it sounds really interesting and I I, I hope that there it's not gonna be like it, it sounds a little a little amb- a little too ambitious you know. Like No Man's Sky, it sounds really ambitious, oh, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how they're gonna. I don't know if or how they're gonna pull that off. It's like it's like how can No Man's Sky possibly live up to the expectations that everybody has put on that game by this point? Yeah. Remember when people were really excited for Watch Dogs? Oh god! Uh, oh my god! <laughs> I was I was one of those people. Oh. I was, and I saw I was, a gameplay. Just patting you on the back here. Then you then you saw a gameplay and was like, "Oh, look, it's a Ubisoft like, game." This is this is this is this is what Ubisoft is all about, huh? This is all they do. <laughs> this is oh. this is Ubisoft, and I, I I still wanted to get the Wii U version, but then I heard that they're just like, "Holy shit, man!" <laughs> I can't believe I mean, the Wii U one actually came out. Yeah, like how did this? <laughs> 
<laughs> it sounds like so. Like I, I'm imagining like Ubisoft making a contract with Nintendo to put that game out, and then at some point Ubisoft trying to weasel out of it and being like, "No, we don't really want to do this," and Nintendo squeezing somebody's nuts to just make it happen, so they begrudgingly made it happen. Oh, like why? It was like seven months later or something. Oh my god, that was like That's really funny. Wasn't that yeah. like an April game last year? Mm-hmm. And then it came out on Wii U in like November. It was like mm-hmm. okay, <laughs> sure. So they were they were originally going to cut all the DLC from it. <laughs> but did oh, they not? I think they, I think I they think did. They, it I has no DLC. I think it, I think it put it out. They put it out. Really? I think, I'm not sure. I have to check. I think Batman Arkham Origins did not port the DLC to Wii U. Something. Uh, yeah, that might be what I'm thinking about. Then. Wow. So, Starbound, yeah. I'm liking, like, those type of games typically aren't my thing, but um, I like what I've seen of it, weirdly enough. Like, I don't necessarily care about the building part, but it looks like I could just do the explorey stuff. Like, just go into planets and start looking for shit. Yeah, I don't think I did very much buildy stuff in um, Terraria. I mostly just kind of poked around trying to get better weapons and items and stuff, doing yeah, all like- the... Like having seen a lot Fighty, of gameplay, crafty bits. having seen a lot of gameplay for Starbound, like I definitely can see, like how I might actually kind of find that relaxing to just you know yeah definitely definitely you, you know like I'm the idiot that enjoyed mining in Minecraft too or not my no I hate <laughs> Minecraft no no what am I you saying I enjoyed the mining in Mass Effect two. <clears throat> and the Mass Effect 2 mining was just, like, brain-dead stupid, but this actually has, you know, it has a space setting and some substance along with it as well, so it looks like, you know, at some point, I could see myself playing that uh, if it ever went, like, on the super cheap. I think yeah. they described it as the sandbox game with a story. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. It looks like it definitely has some kind of progression to it that they're hinting yeah. toward, so. There's a lot of backstory, too. Like you'll you'll find each like if you find like a town you'll find like uh these uh these books called codexes hidden in lockers and stuff and it has like backstory on each each of the each of the five I think five races now mm. and their their backstory and stuff like humans they they've escaped they they escaped Earth because uh it was being overrun by this giant tentacle monster or whatever and tentacle monsters are bad. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Bad. Very bad. Right. <laughs> right. But yeah, it definitely looks like a cool game that I'm gonna probably keep an eye on, especially since you know you're streaming it these days at Twitch.tv/slash Eric's Joystick. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I strongly, I strongly recommend it. <laughs> strongly recommend it. It's a very good game, even even in its early access form. Yeah, it does look to be. Like, like, and it's probably got a lot to do with the recent update, but, but you know, then again, you spent 200 hours playing it prior to this update, but to me it looked like from the outside that, like, the update is what made this game seem substantial, but if you're, you were getting 200 hours out of that game, like, before that update, it's just like, Jesus, how dense can the content of this game be? Yeah, you, you could say that, yeah. You could, you could definitely say that. Damn. Impressive. Uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. See up to anything else, Eric? Uh, I've been playing a bit of Hearthstone. I'm actually getting really good at it, I think. 
oh, Hearthstone, that crazy yes. Blizzard card game. It's super fun. That everybody in the world seems to be playing and wants to you get sh- me to play. <laughs> you should you should play it. I, it's really fun. Well, you're it's, going to teach me on a stream at some point. Uh, to I play am. That. Just be warned, somebody tried to teach me uh, League of Legends once to very disastrous results. <laughs> I think, it, I think is... Hearthstone is a bit simpler than yeah. that. Yeah, don't don't try and learn uh, League of Legends while on a stream. Um, that was a <laughs> that was an <laughs> that was an unmitigated disaster. <laughs> um. So so like, uh, is there anything like specifically new with Hearthstone uh, that's gotten you back into it, or is it just something you've never really stopped playing? It. I stopped playing for a few months because I wanted to wait for the Android version. Because I had I had traded my iPad for it or whatever, and uh, it came out. The Android version came out. I want to say in December, so I've been playing it a lot since then. Cool, and uh, yeah. you play a lot. Like that game's like almost exclusively all like online versus, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh so you like like how is your skill level versus the people that you run into? I I can't really say I'm, I'm like the master at it because I don't really play ranked matches. Um, but I mean, I, I I think I've been I think I'm I've gotten to a point where I've I've found characters that I like to play as, and I've uh, I've gotten character decks in a, in a in a way that I that I that I like that suits my playstyle. So so in a sense, so you're basically just telling us you, you're a god at it. Oh God, <laughs> I, I I'm not you said it, not me. So I mean, you know. Yes, uh, if you go to twitch.tv slash Eric's Joystick, you can see a god in action. <laughs> what is that, Polly? Could you repeat it? Uh, twitch.tv slash Eric's Joystick. That's twitch.tv slash Eric's, Eric's Joystick? Yes, E-R-I-K. Eric's Joystick, okay. <laughs> um, All right, other than that... Anything else? Nothing, nothing else. No. Nothing else you occupying your time with? Nada. No. Nah, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal the reins this time because I've only got one thing to talk about um, this episode, and I know that Brett is probably the only other person on the cast that has played the same game I have. Uh, is it uh, what I think it is? Yes, it is. Hyperdimension oh Neptunia ah! Rebirth One. <laughs> Uh, and, and John wanted us to convince him uh, to play this game. I uh, went from being like completely skeptical to being like, "Oh my god, yeah, I need this!" Like, how how much is it? Thirty, thirty, fifty dollars, whatever. Yeah, fuck it. Oh, but did I'll you buy it take, already? Or I'll still take the convince. No, I haven't yet. Okay, okay. But I'll take the I'll take the convincing. Um. Well, like I think Rhett put it best. It is essentially, you know, and a lot of parts that game is essentially just Sailor Moon. <laughs> That sounds amazing. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's basically a JRPG that is very lighthearted in nature. It's very bright and colorful. Uh, it uses I a lot of comedy. Uh, it's very comedic, uh, and it's sort of like it has this like it, it grounds itself in the console war, so to speak, with like you know Nintendo, Sony, and uh, Microsoft. But but that really that whole thing really takes a backseat to. You know, just a game that's trying to be, you know, very cute uh, and adorable narratively and, um, you know, and, and, and genuinely pretty funny uh, at times, given that, like, Ooh, I, 
I find a lot of, like, Japanese stabs at humor to be kind of eh. Uh, because mostly they spell it out a little too obviously. There's no timing or subtlety a lot of the times to some of the comedy you'll find in that style of humor. Um, but, um, like, like the, 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 right, the English writing for it is just really sharp. Uh, and I feel sort of makes up for a lot of that, where I'm figuring some jokes would, like, if they had done a straight translation, would have fallen really flat. I mean, don't get me wrong, there are still some jokes that fall really <laughs> flat. Like, just like, here's my dumb Nintendo reference, you know, it's like, you know, like, some character's like, I'm gonna jump right into battle, well, why don't you put on a pair of suspenders and a mustache at the same time? It's like, that's... Ooh, it's like, that's oh, a little labored. Yeah. Yeah. I think some of the references are thrown into the English version. Like, that's not what they're saying in Japanese whatsoever. Yeah. Oh, well, weird. Either way. They just... try to kind of spruce it up to throw more video game references in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, but... they mentioned, like, do a barrel roll. Or oh, yeah, of... definitely. <laughs> that There is definitely a barrel roll reference. <laughs> uh, I like, uh, I think my favorite reference is a guy that's hiding in a cardboard box, and his name is Dave <laughs> Snake. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's his name? Dave Snake. Dave Snake. <laughs> it's a Metal Gear Solid reference. Yeah, it, it's just that's so dumb. <laughs> uh, so I think that's the perfect word for a lot of this game. Is kind of dumb and stupid. Yeah, yeah, it's really just dumb and stupid in a really good way. Uh, also, the combat they're just like doing like a hundred. Like ten thousand damage, like for like in thirteen attacks. Yeah, like like my best combo is something like three hundred and sixteen hits with over two million damage. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Who's the, the publisher of this? Uh, the publisher is Idea Factory International. Uh, the original game, uh, Hyperdimension Neptunia, was originally released on the PS3, and that game's terrible. Stay the fuck away from that version. It is. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, oh god. Oh, it physically pains me to even try and talk about that game. I would ra- I would rather slog through Xenosaga Episode 2 than I would try and oh. ever finish Hyperdimension Neptunia on the PS3. Um that game's bad. That was those the like the, that um Hyperdimension Neptunia Mark 2 and Victory were all published by um uh Nippon Ichi Software America. Uh, but somewhere along the line, Idea Factory was just like, well, we want to release our own games now. Um, so they basically handled um, this rebirth, uh, and I'm thinking like all subsequent re-releases, uh, Rebirth 2 and uh, Rebirth Victory, I think they're, they're handling all of those uh, by themselves this time. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it's like, like Rut said, like a lot of this game is really dumb and you get a lot of that, not only in the humor, but just like, you know, like John said, like a lot of the, like you get these crazy super attacks that are just like bust out the fucking guitar riff and like the heavy metal music. And, and here is this big, you know, 25 to 30 second animation of a bunch of attacks happening. If you thought Omni Slash was crazy, you know, in Final Fantasy VII, they ain't got nothing on some of the uh, Neptunia uh, EXE attacks. They're so nice. stupid. And, and they feel so good to do every time. Like, I, I, I've seen uh, a lot of people tend to just, like, skip those animations and then just, like... <gasps> yeah, but it's just, like, I couldn't bring myself to do it. Like, I, I really liked watching those attacks happen every time. They're just like, ah, oh, it feels good. It, like It's a, sort of like when I talked about uh, Crimson Clover and, you know, doing the... 
uh, going into brake mode and then going into double brake mode. It's one of those things where it's just like, oh, it feels so good to do that. Um, and I had like, uh, and, uh, the combat system is really good. I think, um, I've been uh, experimenting a bit with a second playthrough, uh, just kind of rushing through the game and not really stopping to do much. Because my first time through, I played it through at a pretty normal pace, uh, unlocking things and just doing random side quests and unlocking other dungeons and stuff. But this time I'm just kind of like rushing through and I'm finding that um, with a lot of the really hard boss fights, like I'm having to use a lot of strategy as opposed to just winning by my numbers being big. And that's actually working so far. Like, I am in chapter four, um, and I'm coming up on um, a boss fight that, like, basically seals all of your special moves and item oh. use. And I'm only like level twenty five, and I am deathly scared of how I'm going to at- how I'm going to accomplish this. That one really didn't make any sense to me from a strategy perspective. No, it's, it's like you literally can't do anything besides just attack because you can't use items or magic. Yeah, and and you, it's just like if you don't have the health to outlast it, you know, you've either got to go buy some accessories to. Uh, give yourself a bit more of an edge or just go grind it out somewhere. Uh, so I'm not really sure how my low levels are going to benefit me in trying to build a plan around that specific fight. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I just like, it's hard for me to find much wrong with this game other than the fact that it's clearly budgety as shit. Um, yeah. like, you know, all of the cutscenes are just visual novels with, you know, talking heads back and forth, which, you know, I'm fine with that. You know, I've played visual novels before and I have no real problem with that kind of presentation, but they end up reusing, like, not only, like, dungeon themes, like, you know, their visual aesthetic, like, you know, the same kind of assets and stuff. They not only reuse a lot of that, they reuse just, the, they're just straight up reuse the same maps sometimes. Um, and that's just like really egregious and kind of like, come on guys, you, you could. And, and from my understanding, some of those maps may actually be from other idea factory games. Uh, so, you know, maybe they're not just recycling assets created solely for Neptunia, but they're just digging into their own back catalog and like, well, we've got a factory set here we can use. Let's just throw that map in there. Um, so it's a little like budgety. But, like, when you consider, like, a lot, uh, where a lot of the money for their presentation is probably going, um, it's, I'm not going to say it's understandable, because I, I don't, like, because I, I definitely think that with the way assets are reused, it is detrimental to enjoyment of the game, to some degree, um, but when you look at, like, the, the crazy amount of time and care that went into, like, those crazy EXE attacks and some of, like, um, uh, the spells and stuff. It's like, yeah, there's some really awesome presentation there, but a large, a larger cut of that has likely gone to like their crazy, like star studded, um, Japanese vocal cast. Um, because from like, I, I'm not sure of all of, um, the characters, voice actresses, but I know that more than a few of them are some pretty like, you know, recognizable names uh, in, yeah. in, in voice acting over there. And, and to give you an idea of where I sort of came to that conclusion is uh, one of their other games uh, is called Fairy Fencer F, and um, it, it is noticeably basically the same game as Neptunia Rebirth, 
having seen like like even some of the like again some of the same dungeon aesthetics and things um but then you find out like not only do they have this really highly paid vocal cast but yoshitaka amano did um the character designs and nobuo uematsu did the soundtrack so it's just like gee where did your budget go i can probably guess hearing all of this about reused content reminds just takes me back to uh Fantasy good old Star Fantasy Star Universe, universe days. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> How many it, more dragons do we need? Yes. It's way worse than this, though. Oh, it really is. Because you can, like, run into two of almost the same dungeon, like, back-to-back. Like, it, it's egregious. And, like, even the final boss, I don't think, is an original model. I think the final <laughs> boss was. Oh. I, I do know that they get a lot of mileage out of that killing machine uh, model. Um, yeah, there's, a speci- like, there's a specific robot model, the Killashine or whatever. Yeah, they get a lot of mileage out of that one. It, you fight that boss under a different name like five or six times. <laughs> um, but that that none of that stuff really turned me off to it. In fact, like you know, like I said, I'm playing through it a second time and don't even know why. Um, so I definitely. I'm- I'm kind of worried you're going to get burned out when the second game comes out. Right? I don't think we're going to see that for another four or five months, honestly. Uh, they seem to be pump- pumping those out right now. Yeah, well, like, um, uh, Rebirth 2 just came out on the Vita in August. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rebirth 1 came out, I want to say, around the first part of last year. So, I, if anything, it's going to be like another six months or so. Uh, before we see Rebirth uh, 2. So I'm not too worried. And I'm not even worried about Fairy Fencer F. So I'm, I'm yeah. skipping that entirely. Uh, so I've talked a, a shit ton about Neptunia. So hey, Rhett, why don't you tell us a bit about Neptunia? Wait, what's Fairy Fencer F? It's a, it's kind of like... It's basically the same systems and everything as Neptunia, minus any of the charm at all. Is it the third one? No. no Fairy Fencer diff- F is a new series for them. Okay. okay. Same makers, though. Okay. Yeah, and it's basically just Neptunia minus any of the charm whatsoever. Oh, bummer. Yeah. It is like typical anime guy protagonist that's boring oh. and just, I'm going to save the world! Uh... <laughs> you know, and he's got his cute little mage girl with him, and it's just like, wow, this, is, this couldn't be more tropey if they tried. Lame. So, Rhett, what have you got to say about the old Neptunias? Uh, so I really, I started playing this last week and kind of mentioned it a lot a bit. And you were like, should I buy this game? And I was like, eh, I don't know, because hadn't, it hadn't really clicked for me yet. Because what really kind of put me off this game at the very start was, like, the budget stuff. Just, it's, it's so bad. It is so like, readily apparent. Like... It's not just that the dungeons are reused, it's that many of them are just tiny and not really dungeons. Yeah, they're just kind of maps that they made uh, to to put event triggers in. Yeah, like, especially the factory ones are the worst, where it's just, like, literally three kind of open rooms, and they're all exactly the same. Yeah. And then there's one towards the end where it's, like towards the end of the game where you get to you run from one end to the other you hit a trigger that says go to floor two and then then it loads the same map as floor two and you just run back the other way yeah it's so bad and then like the end of each dungeon will just have like a crystal that says event on it like there's no kind of progression to the dungeons itself there's no like arriving at a realistic location for the event to happen 
so it's really just immersion breaking. Like the only ones that kind of worked for me were the snowfields, which were big enough to kind of have the sense of distance. Yeah, yeah. In them. Those definitely um, had a sense, like, a more of a dungeon feel to them than yeah. any other part of the game. Like even the final quote unquote dungeon is literally like oh, I think God. seven rooms long, and has completely inappropriate music. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> What in the world? It's like this bright, <laughs> colorful outdoor area, and it uses like the the dark dungeon theme. And it's yeah. just like this doesn't work at all. And I, and I was literally shocked that they actually had a new dif- dungeon for the final dungeon. Yeah, I couldn't believe it, it was actually different. Because at that point, like I've seen the same like five themes over and over. Like, I mean, some of them aren't terrible, but like that's mostly in the optional stuff. Like the volcano one is okay, and the uh, like the techno themed one. The volcano one looks a lot like Caves One uh, from PSO. Like yeah. it, even, it even has, like, the same kind of progression, like, you know, your metal hallways or, like, some bridges over lava and then into, like, a darker cave area with lava in the background falling, you know, flowing down. Yeah. So my biggest problem with the game early on is that it really does, like, goddamn nothing with the actual premise of it being about the console wars and, oh, there's a nation called Laystation and another one called Lowy. <laughs> it's it's the Wii, and the third one is Lean Box. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> because these dungeons are so generic, and because, like, the world map is just a screen that you select areas from, and, like, each city is just a, a what do you call it, like a CG background. Yeah. Like, there's no world building, like, whatsoever. Yeah, so they really kind of do nothing with the concept of, you know, like, these these lands supposing to, you know, have any kind of relation to, you know, Microsoft jokes or anything. You know, the only the only kind of humor you'll get out of that is that basically all of the dungeons Ugh, are, this, are, this are, so named, are named really badly after um, games from those consoles. There's like one called there's one dungeon called MS Mountain and then there's another one called Halo Mountain. <laughs> it's oh boy. So bad. Like and that, I, I know Rebirth 2 has an Atari Forest. Is there it's, is it really just Atari Forest? Yes, it's just wow. Atari Forest. Just wow. So some of the humor is like it's not really a joke, it's just a reference. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, there's a place called Hero Rule Fields instead of Hyrule. Yeah. Fun. But uh yeah, so once you get past that and that the video game references are just references and not really humor, like, it's a good game. Like, it's really cute, but it does kind of bum me out, like, what this game could be if it wasn't so budgety. Like, I was just thinking, like, halfway through the game, like, what if you just went into a dungeon and it was just Pac-Man and you just ran around a Pac-Man maze and instead of hitting enemies, you hit ghosts and then you'd fight them? And, like, you know, if you hit, like, a power pellet, you could, like avoid the enemies you yeah. know or, or if you like you know went up to them and whacked them with your sword they would just immediately die you yeah know, if, they do nothing with the premise at all which is really a bummer like it would be so cool if they had like kind of the no more heroes 2 minigame style yeah. stuff to, to kind of spice up the game a bit and so, i'm not i'm not spoiling anything when i say this but there is a movie that plays under the uh, ending credits <laughs> That really gives you an idea of what they could have done with this concept, and it's just basically everything Rhett said about how you could take what, you know, what a game based on the console wars implies and turn that into a a very thematic video game about that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. and, And... 
and they like it's just like it's a real bummer when you realize that they probably put more effort into you know the theming behind that little credit sequence than they did anything else in the game as it as it pertains to trying to make it relate to the console wars yeah so for the most part it's really just kind of ends up being like a magical girl kind of video game jrpg where you got the four goddesses and they transform and they beat the bad guy and they save the day and it's all really sweet that yeah, sounds it's, nice. It's it's and it's like it it is weirdly touching in places. It's just like I found myself like genuinely, oh, that is there, <laughs> there there's like a couple of scenes in particular that I will admit I got a lump in my throat. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's 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 too much for me. I don't oh my even... god! Oh my god! This sounds like the kind of thing that would just maybe be like. <gasps> so nice <laughs> i guarantee you, i can i can i can think of one scene off the top of my head that you would probably do that with and i think that you would actually find the combat system pretty meaty because it is you know it's got some strategy uh to it um you know, also the- i really like how it just basically looks like it kind of reminds me of, like when i saw the actual fighting scenes i was kind of confused by the sailor moon comparison because it, it reminded okay. me of like burn the gone or kill la kill <laughs> okay so let me clarify this. John looked up like the EXE attacks, and you know, and he, the he, first thing I saw, guess who it was? He picked Iris Hart. Oh, lovely! <laughs> yeah, yeah. She is a DLC character uh, who uh, has a flair for the masochistic. Or no, she's I got a, a she's a sadist. I, I, that was interesting. Yeah, she's a sadist. Uh, mm-hmm. So I got <laughs> an interesting first impression of um. That's not Hyperdimension everybody Neptunia. else. <laughs> That's not everybody else. Everybody okay. else is like dramatic. I have a sword and I do like Xeno. Oh, what's it called? You know this cloud attack. Omni slash. Omni slash. I do yep. Omni slash times a million. <laughs> like if is like shooting giant energy balls out of her claws for no reason, <laughs> or I turn into a jet for no reason. <laughs> I and, love that one. And fire sixteen <laughs> missiles at you for no reason. By the way, I'm still a little girl. <laughs> I guess that's okay too. <laughs> For, for for the uninitiated, apparently the scene I saw for the first time as my first experience of Hyperdimension Neptunia was this character just walking up onto an enemy and just stomping on it, <laughs> in like this. And, and this, this, there's like a first really person dom, dommy outfit, and, and it's like, from the enemy's perspective. And she just goes like. <laughs> She grinds her heel into his face. Yeah, she grinds her heel into the camera, first person. So it's <laughs> you know what's, you know what's even weirder is that character apparently represents the Mega Drive. What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, I can I can admit that it's a bit of a it's a bit of a masochistic relationship to be in when you're dealing with Sega, but Jesus Christ! Cool mm-hmm. boy, Sega. So I, I so I had to get my feigning couch, and then I was more interested in Hyperdimension <laughs> Neptunia. <laughs> I really want to play the third game in the series. That one sounds really interesting because the story pre- premise is that she goes to 1989. Yeah. So the, goddess- <laughs> so the goddesses back then are Mega Drive, uh, PC Engine, and Famicom. Yeah. <laughs> so that sounds really interesting. That sounds, and, yeah. And I'm well, sure that one will come do- out too eventually, right? It's It just was confirmed for Vita over here. Yeah. Okay. I'm, pretty sure it'll come out on pc if they're doing all of them okay. yeah. well we got two rpgs to play through before that so well, that, yeah. that game that game is like like uh, rebirth one is still hanging around the steam charts at a pretty respectable um 
y- you know, like they're 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 top sellers. So I'm I, I'm still kind of amazed that that game is still like just blowing up the charts, at least in a respectable way, because you don't expect those kind of games to find that kind of audience on something like Steam. Mm-hmm. At the same time, like how many JRPGs are there really on Steam? Like, this is a starved market. Yeah, I mean, you got Final Fantasy thirteen, I guess. Oh, I guess that... <laughs> I honestly forgot about that. Because for me, it was like, when I finished this and I went to look at my Steam folders, it was like, oh, I don't have one for RPGs because I haven't played an RPG that wasn't, you know, like Skyrim, where it's like action RPG. Like, I haven't played a traditional turn-based thing in ever on Steam. <laughs> Mm-hmm. The only like, thing that comes close to like Valkyria Chronicles, even yeah. that's like a strategy game mm-hmm. more than. So yeah, I quite like Neptunia as well. I'm it. It really kind of won me over in chapters three and four when the story kind of kicked in and the stuff with like Iffy and Vert was great. Oh yeah, definitely. They're that's, so cute. That's that's <laughs> basically like like I even I, like like um. I, I won't say who it was, but somebody like heard the podcast where you know I mentioned that I was going to buy it, and somebody ended up buying it for me. Um, and I was just like, I'm not even sure yet, you know. And it's, and it's just like, so I throw it in, and it's just like I play through the first couple of chapters, and it's just like it's not completely grabbing me yet. Yeah, but I'm getting there. And then that, you know, I played it the next day, and it was like, yeah, I'm on board now. I dig this. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like- up my alley. I'm thinking about getting it too. Hmm. I can't believe this Neptunia zeitgeist that is happening now. Cause I know, there are so many people talking about and or playing it now, and it's just kind of crazy. But, the, I mean, I guess that's what you get for releasing a game on a wider, you know, platform. Instead of the Vita. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, boy. So, that's Hyperdimension Neptunia Rebirth. Uh, what, you, what else are you into, Rhett? Uh, I fin- so, <laughs> I played Uncharted 2. And then got really close to the end, and then Neptunia came out. <laughs> so I played all of Neptunia before going back to Uncharted 2. Major tonal shift. Yeah, a bit. Well, not really. You know, saving the world. And and pretty happy-go-lucky protagonist, I guess. <laughs> yes. Very, yeah. Uh, Neptunia doesn't kill as many people, though. With no. Oh, that was the one. I'll just, quick diversion. When I looked up footage of the original Hyperdimension Neptunia, apparently, like, the break attacks in that one were guns. Yeah. It's <laughs> so, so weird. So I'm watching this guy play through the game. Like, he's at the first battle, and he clicks that, and she pulls out a handgun and goes, Gotta shoot him in the head! I'm like, what the <laughs> hell is this? This, is... <laughs> this cute little anime girl just yelling about boom, shooting boom, people boom. in the head. It's great. Aim for the head! I'm like... <laughs> Okay, this is a little different. <laughs> uh, so I've finished Uncharted 2, and yeah, that's a hell of a game. And it's way is, better than 3. Is, is it, though? Yes! I, I played the first Uncharted. Okay, I like 2 and 3. I never finished I, I hear, I hear like, it gets better, because, like, I hope it gets better, because, like, the first one, the aiming was just god-awful. Yeah, there were some... I could not... The aiming was a little swimmy in the original, and it got a lot tighter in two. I think people like two a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think I'm gonna have to get the old PS3 and, and finish this thing. Yeah, yeah. Uncharted Two is fantastic. What don't I, you like about it, Rhett? What don't I like about it? Uh, no, I really like it oh. until 
the certain bullshit enemies at the end again. Yeah, that's the thing, is, like, <laughs> if you've played and finished Uncharted 1, you know the twist that's going to happen at the end of 2 and 3. Yeah. It's just, they, they stuck to a formula there, and it's just like, wow. I, like, why did you guys do that three times in a row when it sucked the first time you did it? Mm-hmm. I have a question. What's up? Sure. <laughs> um, in Uncharted 1, I got... Because I stopped playing it around, I think, chapter 12. Mm. Where, like, it started getting all all supernatural and shit. Ah, that's uh, the twist. It, yeah. does, is that what you guys are talking about? Yeah. yeah. Basically, uh. basically, every Uncharted game, as it rounds out its final chapters, has that moment Why? where it turns into, Oh, look, we're fighting little gray goblins now that can kill me in one hit. Oh, boy. Yeah, two has, like, these bullet sponge yeti that just fucking take forever to kill and then will do a ton of damage to you if they get anywhere near you it's not fun no but uh is is, is ammo at least um easier to find they tend like the uncharted games never really ever load you down with a shit ton of ammo i find um I, i find that like you know you're you're I think that you get ammo bonuses from from ammo drops where you kill a dude with a headshot uh, or you take them out with uh, a melee attack, but I don't. But but I don't think that you're ever swimming in ammo in those games. I always felt that I had just enough to get from you know from point to point, or I could just like pick up a new gun on the fly pretty easily and adapt my strategy. Yeah, yeah. I think it feels balanced for you switching guns a lot. Kind of, they want a, like they want very to, yeah they want fluid. it to, yeah they want it to stay dynamic, and I really like that. I, I thought that it was really good with the pacing. Like you weren't always just sticking with one kind of gun. Yeah, so it's a lot of, like, improvisation, and, like, when they throw a grenade, like, you gotta change cover. Like, I get how they kind of try to balance it, but those bullet sponge enemies are just the worst. Yeah, like, all three of those games just kind of go to pot at the end. I mean, I think that they're still worth finishing, but the way in which they go to bullshit at the end, it's just, it's the same every time, and you know that, you know that it's coming. You know, it's just like, Mm -hmm. even when I was playing Uncharted 2... Like, I could feel the pangs of Supernatural coming a mile oh. away. Yeah, That's they, actually kind of disappointing. They hear. do tease, like, the Yeti things for a long time before. They're like, okay, we're going full in it now. And then when it happens, you're just like, okay, click, change difficulty, slip, shift it over to easy. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Basically, <laughs> the end of every Uncharted game, I, I usually just switch it over to easy. Because the new enemies they introduce, like... They don't work on the same mechanics that you've been interacting with the whole time. They don't really give you a chance to learn those new mechanics that they want you to deal with. And it's just like, mm-hmm. man, whatever. I'm just going to play. I just want to, like, watch it. I, I just want to watch fun cut scenes and hear Drake say funny things from this point yeah. on. <laughs> so I think I kind of grazed over Uncharted 2 a bit really quickly last week. But uh, the middle of that game, like, it finally clicked for me. Like, the whole gunplay stuff. Like... It's fucking incredible, like, it how really good is. that game feels. Like, yeah. when you kind of know, like, the rhythm of, like, when to shoot from blind fire, or, like, when to, like, run and gun and jumping over dudes and punching them. Just, it moves so smooth, and it's kind of nuts. Yeah, it, it's kinetic in a way that I don't think a lot of third-person shooters are. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like it's always in motion. Uh, it, yeah. ha- it has that, like, they're always talking about uh, Naughty Dogs being very cinematic, and I yeah. think that this is, like, one of the, like, I think that Uncharted 2, 
uh, and three, like the combat definitely goes a long way toward feeling cinematic, even if like the amount of people you're killing is absurd. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard with video games because, yeah, you couldn't have a gunfight with, like, three dudes. No. And have it... I mean, there is The Last of Us, but that's totally different. And even that got kind of crazy with its enemy numbers at points. Mm-hmm. But uh, the extent to which I now realize Uncharted 3 is the same game as Uncharted 2 is kind of crazy. Yep. Like, they just copied the story and just, like, rewrote some things to be the opposite. Yep. Like... In Uncharted 2, there's a train crash, and you get stranded in the, like, the snow area, like a mountaintop. And in Uncharted 3, there's a plane crash, and you get stranded in the desert. Like, (laughs) it's really weird. And, like, the whole, like, secret city that you find at the end, and then there's the guardians that are virtually indestructible, and then, Mm -hmm. like, the place blows up, and there's an escape sequence, but then, oh, you've got a fist fight with the final boss at the end. It's like... You guys just did the same thing again, like... Uncharted 1 ends the same way. What the hell? Ah. Really? Yep. It's the same... Like, I don't think it's the same exact boss fight, but it is the same principle. As in, you have to, like, get past the guy. He He's firing an auto-fire shotgun that will essentially kill you in two hits. You have to wait for him to recharge, run over to him, punch him a few times, and then get oh. back out and do that again. Oh, to be fair, Uncharted 3 doesn't really have that kind of boss fight, but then there's, like, the escape sequence and, like, an actual kind of QT fist fight at the end. Yeah. They're still, they still feel incredibly similar. So, like, to me, all, all Uncharted 3 was missing was you playing as Raiden the whole game. <laughs> and they reveal at the end they're trying to create another Nathan Drake. Yeah. That would be, I would love that. <laughs> We're going to create the perfect adventurer. Nathan Drake simulation. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I I don't think I loved the last third of Uncharted 2. Like everything after the train, like it goes such to such ridiculous highs, like it just couldn't top that moment. Yeah, the that moment. Stuff. The train th- that entire train chapter is yeah. simply phenomenal. So I think Uncharted 3, like, the, the ending of that maybe holds it together a little bit better. Because mm. there's, the, like, the stuff on the horses was awesome. Yeah. Even though Uncharted 2 kind of does that earlier with the... Yeah. There's a car scene where you're jumping between cars, and then Uncharted 3 has a scene where you're jumping between horses. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, they're, I think they're both really good games, though. Like, maybe people are a little too hard on the third one. But it, it probably could just be people, like, not really understanding what they don't like about it. Or or what, the, you know, it's just like, I know that there's something about this game that makes me feel the way I do. And maybe it's just that they subconsciously realize that it's such a, co- you know, that a copy and paste job with things inverted. Yeah. That they just don't realize that that's the, the reason they're not the biggest fan of it. Like, I, yeah. I, I wasn't even super... Like, cognizant. It's just like, when I finished Uncharted 3, it was just like, eh, I'm done with this series now. I I don't really... Yeah. And, and like, when you started talking to me about it the other day and bringing up the same points, it was like, wait a minute. Something inside me had to have realized at the point that this is just a copy-and-paste invert job. Um, I mean, it's not entirely, but, yeah, just it hits the same beats. Yeah, it goes for the... Yeah. Where Uncharted 1 to 2 sounds like this huge upgrade. It's a huge upgrade. Where Uncharted 3 is just kind of like, we did it again. Like, yeah. it's still good, but... It's just more of this. 
people are hoping Uncharted 4 is that huge jump forward again. I just, like, what they've shown of it, it doesn't really look like it. <laughs> and it, it's prettier. I haven't watched any of that stuff. So I've seen before. some video, and it's just like, oh, it's, it's, it's prettier. They said they were going for, like, more open areas this time. Uh-huh. Kind of like, so you can approach it from more directions, kind of like The Last of Us. I see. But, yeah, who knows? So I played Apotheon. You played a what? Apotheon. Apotheon? <laughs> the worst pun in history. <laughs> I can't believe they did that. Apotheon? Apotheon. It's, 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 it's a game about taking a dump. Oh, nice. No. So it's a game designed after Greek pottery. Yeah. Like the art of those. If you if you Google like Greek pottery, like it's it's almost exact. Yeah. And then the name of the game, if you add spaces to it, is literally a pot he on. Huh. Like it's it's more clever with like when you don't realize it. It's it's so <laughs> bad. It's so dumb. <laughs> I can't believe he got away with that. So what but, the hell is this game? <laughs> So this is a 2D kind of action RPG thingy. Uh, I don't want to say Metroidvania because it's really not that. It's more like you've got three objectives. Go do them. And then you can tackle them in any order. And there's kind of upgrades with like you buy money for new weapons or armor or training and stuff. But uh, I don't love this game that much. Oh. So there's there's two ways to kind of describe it like how it plays and then you'll go wait those totally contradict each other so do you want the good one or the bad one i'm always the kind of person that likes to get the bad news out of the way first okay go for it it kind of feels like those flash games where you're aiming with the mouse but it's a 2d game (sighs) and it's super floaty and stuff and like uh, combat just is weightless like you hit a guy and he kind of bounces back in a weird way and then an enemy will hit you and it kind of pops you up and uh, yeah it just doesn't feel great and especially when like this is a playstation plus game so at the same time they put rogue legacy up wow and you play oh, that yeah. and you go like oh yeah this is fucking tight like, yeah yeah and this just kind of feels loose and bouncy and not tight. And cheap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because with the art style that they went for with this, like, it does make sense for it to kind of have that tweened motion, like that flash motion tween look. But yeah. combined with the physics and just how everything interacts, like, it's weird. It's weightless. Mm. But So what makes it extra weird, though, is that the combat, like the actual controls are basically Dark Souls. What? Yeah. Tell me if you've heard this one before. Left trigger to shield, right trigger to attack. Uh, huh. And then... Is there stamina and shit? There is stamina. Oh, jeez. Stamina isn't, like, the huge end-all that it seems to be in Dark Souls, though, at least. But, yeah, so it's, like, triangle to drink your healing flask and then (sighs) circle to roll forward. Oh, wow. But then they don't entirely commit to the Dark Souls control scheme. Like, the D-pad, like, you press over to select categories and then up to change what's in each category. Instead of, like, in Dark Souls, it's like you press up for weapons, over for items, down for 
or whatever it was. Like you press right for weapons, left for shields and stuff. Like in this, it's spells, like yeah, down for items. In this, you select the category and then press up and down. And it's a little clunkier. Mm. And then like L one affects your shield or torch, whichever you're holding. No. And yeah, it even has like the offhand torch, kind of like Dark Souls one had. But then I, I killed a boss and got an upgrade that made me glow a little bit, so I didn't need torches as much. Oh. But just, I wish the combat felt better, because that's what's really kind of pushing me away from the game. Yeah. Because, it's... like, the, the level... Whole does... point, the whole point of Dark Souls combat is wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's like... There's a difficulty mode where you, you can put it on hard, where it's like enemies will be able to interrupt you, but like, it just doesn't seem like that would be fun with the way the combat feels. Yeah. But like the actual like, what would you call it? Like the objectives that you're doing are actually really good and varied, which surprised me. Even though it is, it's remarkably heavy-handed about it sometimes, where it's like you walk into an area and they're like. Well, if you want to win the favor of this god, perhaps you could first hunt this wolf, second, do this thing, third, do this thing, and then like three arrows appear on the screen, like pointing you exactly where to go. I see. Like, it is kind of weird, but then, like, oh, I see, I wish I'd written them down, but like, there's a prison break section, there's a really interesting boss fight where, like, the boss will turn you into a, like, a deer for a minute. And then you have to hit these objectives, and then that will turn the boss into a deer, and then, and then you kill it. Oh, dear. So it's like this... No, but it's like... And then the boss runs ah. away from you, and you have to... Oh. Oh, that's the gist. Ah. Polly, Polly is the queen of puns. <laughs> that wasn't even a pun, it was just a bad joke. Oh. That too. Bad jokes too. I'm a deer. What can I say? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that fight's this kind of cool back and forth, like hunter versus hunted and then the rolls reverse until you win. But, yeah, it's just the combat doesn't feel great. Mm. And uh, our friend DMAC worked on this game, too, which is why I feel so bad about kind of not liking it. Oh, because did he uh, Did he direct the, the voicing? He did all the voice directing and casting stuff, just like Dust in Elysian Tale. Awesome. But, so the thing in Dust that was good was that it was very conversational, dialogue where characters you know talk to each other and you got a lot of personality out of the main characters especially Mm -hmm. in this everybody just talks to you like and your character never talks oh the silent protagonist thing yeah nice so it does feel like there's not as much he could have done with kind of the directing being when it's just like characters telling you your objectives and then showing you on your way that would have to be like i cannot imagine something like that being fun to try and direct yeah because you can't really put a lot of character into people just mm -hmm. telling you to do things yeah so and like it's much more kind of realistic sounding like just kind of normal talk Um, for all whereas dust was like the saturday morning cartoon that he fucking nailed oh yeah definitely so like the voice acting is good, don't get me wrong. It's just not as, like, standout, like, whoa, as Dust was to me. Mm. And it's, no, a con- I- it's a context thing. Yeah. I did meet, like, the big bad, I think, is Zeus. Mm-hmm. I met him last night. He is this big, thundering, opposing voice, so he was cool. Uh, so I will keep playing that, but it's kind of like the kind of game where you play for, like, 20 or 30 minutes and you, you finish one objective, and you're like, that was okay. Yeah. I kind of want to do something else now, though. Like, 
it doesn't grab you and not let go. It's just kind of like it's there. Mm. It's disappointing. <clears throat> uh, so after finishing Uncharted 2 and kind of not wanting to play more Pantheon, right. I was kind of not sure what to play next. Like, oh, like, you know when you look at your queue of games on Steam or whatever and you're like, I don't really want to play any of these. Yeah. So I've been kind of messing around with some random stuff. Nothing really grabbed me yet. So I played a bit of Tokyo Jungle. Ah, this, nice. is, this is a really cool, Ooh, cool. A, a cool concept. I don't Tokyo think, Jungle. I don't think I like it either. Oh, really? Yeah. It just, yeah. it looks like such an awesome concept. It's a neat concept, but I'm just not grabbing me and it feels like... The mechanics that are there maybe don't support, like, a f- game that apparently is, like, 15 hours long. Oh, jeez. Where it's like, okay, I can hunt and nest and, like, breed and stealth a bit. Is that it? Like, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot to do here, and I'm not really interested in, like, unlocking 50 freaking animals and doing it over and over and over. So I, can, I, you, can see, I can see that. Have you played this, kind of Eric? Yeah, I've... I, um... How far uh, I think it was get? like one of the first games that I've I've had for when I when I got the PS3. Um, I didn't beat the game. I just played off of my girlfriend's save file because she 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 liked it way more than I did. But I I can oh. see like where, you know, where that can be. I guess not very fun. Yeah. But um, I I think I think my, for me it's 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 fun in short bursts. Like just playing survival mode, seeing how mm-hmm. long you can you can go without dying, and seeing like. I, I feel like there's like a bit of like a roguelike, yeah, definitely, yeah, like some elements for there for for, for, for that genre, and uh, yeah, I, I I don't know what else to say about that. Um, yeah. I just the music really... is good. <laughs> music seems inappropriate where it's like this kind of pump and dance music. As <laughs> I think I think it's I think it's good, but at the same time I also think it's unfitting, which makes it like way better. Yeah. <laughs> The style that the game tries to go for seems really clashing with the gritty survival aspects where it's like yeah. this one like flashing billboard like start and like the pumping dance music like I am a dog eating cats like this is not <laughs> fitting at all. Have, have you played any of the story? I played like the first chapter of it. It, it was it like gets, it gets really ridiculous. It gets really yeah. ridiculous, and I I think it's in a good way because it's like so it's it's one of those so bad it's it's awesome. I've actually seen kind of where the story ends up with the humans and stuff, but yeah, it's really just the game itself. I'm not sure I really enjoyed it at all. Like I had a really gun- good run with the Pomeranian, where I got to like 35 years in, and it was like I'm just not enjoying it. Like I just don't know what to do now. Like like it's kind of a roguelike, but it also feels kind of forced and like what it's telling you to do like following the challenges yeah i think have have you played it with any anyone else no you just playing? okay it's 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 a lot better with a with a with a player two. Oh, yeah, yeah it's way way better like um and, and some crazy stuff happens like once you get like a hundred years in like you'll see, you'll see like humans coming back. You'll see dinosaurs coming back, and they'll kind of like clash, huh. and you're like you're kind of like trying to survive huh. through all of that. Hundred years seems like it would take a while, though. Yeah, 
yeah, it's pretty. It gets it. You, you can sit there for a pretty long time playing it. <laughs> how long did uh, like you said you got about what thirty five years in? Yeah, and how long did that take? That might have been half an hour. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. I won't. Because sure like when look. I deal with roguelikes, I tend or, or things that incorporate roguelike elements. Yeah. Um, like I tend to not want them to drag on that long. Mm-hmm. Like, like if you've got something like Rogue Legacy, that's totally different because you're building towards something. Or when you've got like you know twenty to forty five minute Binding of Isaac runs, that's fine, you know. But like if you're going to start hitting like the hour mark in a game where you can lose your progress, um, there's not a lot that's sort of incentivizing you to stay around. I guess mm-hmm. is sort of where I'm going with that. There, there, there's actually some some progress you can make in it. Like you like. I think every time you you um shit what's what, how do you how do I like when you you get a new generation mm-hmm. you breed you breed your 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 little your little dogs or whatever the stats yeah. go up a little bit and and that carries on into the next run and you can also like you can carry like certain equipment with you too mm-hmm. so this is so it's got like it's got it's got some some nice ideas there. I just looked at the Tokyo Jungle wiki because I had a feeling, and I confirmed it that one year is one minute in real time. Oh, okay. So that would a hundred years would be an hour and a half. Holy That's yeah. kind of a lot. <laughs> and like your health meter goes, or your hunger meter goes down really fast in that game too. I always got the impression that like that game wanted to be like really arcadey too. It. It kind of feels like it. Like yeah. you really can't mess around because you will run out of hunger in like two minutes, real Damn. time. And like the older, oh, the older your character, your character gets, the hungrier like, they get. The, faster. The, the hungrier, the faster they. Yeah. Oh wow! So they they, they encourage you to like um, to breed every so often. It's like don't you just die of old age at like fifteen? Certain animals, yeah. Oh, yeah. Certain animals, they they die. They, well, That's I mean, they all die of old age, some sooner than others. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From what I remember, I haven't played it in a while, so I can't really... So yeah, it's kind of this weird combination of almost feeling too rushed at points, but then feeling like it takes too long if you really want to hit like the late-game stuff. Mm. Yeah. And then the one story mission I did was just kind of bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it gets pretty bad. It gets pretty bad. I feel like, I feel like it's... it's so bad it's 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 pretty it's so bad it's good i i like i live for that 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 dumb i, I love that kind of dumb campy stuff and there was a boss fight against a cat though <laughs> yeah there's a group of cats you have to fight yeah and so that, your, your, Pomeran, your pomeranian family survives <laughs> it's it's really silly and then like later on you're because like there's different like you play as different characters Mm-hmm. So like the first chapter you play as like a Pomeranian and then the second one I think you play as a a deer. <laughs> oh yeah. Or, 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 or a gazelle or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then in the next chapter you're playing and then like later on there's this one chap this one little story arc where it's kind of like the Lion King. You play as a lion and you have to like <laughs> fight this rivaling lion and and are there hyenas? It's pretty funny. <laughs> That's yeah, and hyenas too. <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. I think if you could just do the story mode, I probably would do that just to see how dumb it is. But you have to like play survival to unlock new chapters. Oh. Yeah, see that I didn't like. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So that's where it's like, oh, this is a grind, isn't it? Like, kind of lose interest a bit. I so I don't know. That, that, yeah. So after I kind of sorry, <laughs> it seems good. It's just uh, not grabbing me. I might give it another shot. We'll see. It might just need the right kind of mood too. 
Yeah. Because, <clears throat> like, I tend to play games, like, really focused on one game at a time, and this doesn't seem like it works great for that. Like, it's more kind of once in a while do a run or something. That's yeah. basically how I do these things. Like, I haven't... I yeah. still haven't, like, beaten Spelunky or anything just because I, I just kind of played it for a good chunk and then wasn't able to, like, devote a little bit of time every day to it or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so I then I... Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Uh, you, you, you go. It's okay. Okay, so then I moved on to Yakuza 4. Mm-hmm. So that's another PlayStation Plus game, and I have no idea what to really expect from this. Uh, that game's really weird. <laughs> yeah, like, I've I've played Yakuza 3, and I'm not quite sure what to really make of those games. <laughs> yeah. How, how much did you play of that? Uh, about seven or eight hours, I want to say. So probably a little bit more than I've done of 4 so far, but yeah, yeah. they seem pretty similar, Yeah, they're, I must imagine. Yeah. It was, like, I, I I don't know, like, I didn't really like the combat, um, mm, and, really? like, the, the open-worldy stuff kind of felt janky a lot of the time. Yeah, this game feels like it kind of fell off a different generation or something, where it doesn't look very bad, but it kind of just has that feel, like, almost kind of like Deadly Premonition did, where it feels like a generation behind or something. Yeah. Uh... You didn't like the combat, though? I wonder if they changed it up. Because to me, it kind of feels like just straight beat-em-up worry. It's, but that's the thing. It's just like it didn't feel like there was more... Like, like I guess I wanted a little more depth to it. Because uh, I thought that the combat, like, having seen previews before I got it, like, I thought that the combat would be something more along the lines of a character action game. Because that's basically, uh, like, the way it's presented is, you know, they're, they're like, these crazy over-the-top combos and doing crazy shit, like, grabbing, you know, lamps and beating people over the head with them and shit. And it's just, like, like, all of the battles just felt like they took way too long. Hmm. Well, we played different games, so maybe that's the problem with Yakuza 3. It feels... What I've played a 4 so far feels fine, where it's, like, you can, like, pick up an item and just fucking go to town on people and just destroy them it's really violent oh yeah like, yeah it, it it revels in its violence in a really fun way you charge your meter up and you throw a guy to the ground and just fucking step on his face yep. and like there's blood everywhere it's like jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> they do not hold back but it's like it feels inappropriate when the guys walk away from those fights yeah. like that guy's dead like you just fucking brained him yeah <laughs> I haven't used I haven't heard the word brained used since Saturday morning cartoons in nineteen eighty. Oh. Well that's what this basically is. I mean you'd take a sword from a guy and then you start slashing other people up and you know, do a little cinematic like I threw a guy off a building, like in one of the fights, and you just see his life bar go one hundred percent to zero, like boop. You like, really brained him. Well that's that's different. I know. I just think that the word brained is really funny in a verb context. Once you kicked his brain out of his head. <laughs> like I said, I like the word brain. Okay. <laughs> I like saying, hey, I brained you. I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to bring it back. I've never heard okay. that expression. You've never heard brained? No, I have not. Well. He's from Hawaii. I've heard brain. Okay. East Coast. So we're all better than Eric. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I was, born I was, born, I was born, born and raised in New York, you know? It's just, I've, never, I've just never heard it, you know? 
we're still better than you because we know what brained is. Whatever. <laughs> Y'all just hating. Y'all just hating. Y'all just hating. <laughs> what about the word wicked? wicked I've, ne- I've never used it. Not in the term, not in the way that you weird fucking crazy. New Englanders yeah. say, like, that like, was wicked awesome. That was wicked. What about radical sabbatical? What the hell is a radical sabbatical? What about something fantastic? Okay, now you're just making. You're up just shit. making shit up. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> I guess we don't need to go into them. So the I combat- hear Gnarly is making a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> the combat in Yakuza Four isn't what's pushing me away from it, but like that game is really goddamn slow. Oh yeah, like insane amounts of long slow moving cutscenes yeah where, where not much happens and it's like 15 minutes long to like set up a scene that happens later like you're gonna let those guys mess with your turf no i'm not gonna let those guys mess with my turf like, and they drag that out for 10 to 15 minutes that did not change that is still yakuza 3 there oh my god like there's one part where like you play as like this loan shark guy almost mm-hmm. in four. Like I think four changes it up where the first three were the same protagonist. That yeah. might be wrong. I'm not sure. But like, so this woman visits you to get a loan, and there's like talky cutscene, then in-game stuff with text, then another cutscene, then more text, then another cutscene of her leaving. It's like, it's I've never played. I mean, there's Metal Gear, I guess, but like this is up there with Metal Gear as far as. Holy metal, shit, a lot of fucking cutscenes. At least Metal Gear can have purpose to a lot of its long-ass cutscenes. Yeah. So it's like, I don't hate this game, I just don't know where it's going, and Jesus Christ, it's like 30 hours long, so please be going somewhere. <laughs> and then I see like a review that says, like, oh yeah, by the way, that's half the running time is cutscenes. <laughs> or just clicking through text. Yeah, or, or at least if you're going to be a game that is all cutscenes, be Asura's Wrath. Yeah, that's... <laughs> if you're going to be a game that's all cutscenes and mostly mediocre gameplay, be Asura's Wrath, because then it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, did, am I the only one getting a kind of Shenmue vibe from this game? I've always kind of felt that um, the Yakuza games had a very Shenmue kind of feel. Yeah, because that's what it feels like to me, where very attention to detail oriented. And it is like, Sega, I mean... And it's Sega, and it's just, like, this one very, very specific slice of Japan. Yeah. But, yeah. And then there's a minigame, like, there's an arcade you can go into and play arcade games and stuff. Because why isn't there, right? Yeah. That's definitely heard, pretty Shenmue. I've heard there's, like, 100 minigames in Yakuza 4. Oh, I've only geez. seen a couple so far. So I don't know if I'm going to keep going with that. I might, because it's, it's intriguing in a way... Of, like, I've never played anything quite like this. I don't know what the hell this is. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, like... So many games now, especially, you know, in the big publisher space, where it's, like, you can just go, oh, this is a little bit from Column A, a little bit of Borderlands, a little bit of Gears of War. Like, everything feels derivative of something else, where Yakuza 4 is like, I have not seen anything like this. Like, So it's combat- at least, it could at least be interesting for the ride. Yeah. So that's what I've been up to. Oh, wait. There was something... I started playing Hardcore Uprising. You did good. That you game did is good. fucking hard. Nah, nah. Did you play on Rising mode, or did you play on Arcade mode? I played once on Arcade, and then I switched to Rising, and that game's fucking hard. 
Yeah, yeah. I think that was the second Contra game I ever beat, or maybe the first actually. Mm. Yeah. Don't I, worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah, Rhett, it's not know, too just, bad. Just, just play like, it. Get just, some upgrades for Rising Mode. Yeah. yeah, and then it gets a lot more manageable. Yeah, just get you know like a better air dash maybe. Uh, play as Crystal because she has the best dash. Oh, cool. Um, obviously, I'm going to play as the girl. I mean, obviously, obviously. Oh. I like one of her colors is like Samus. Yeah, straight up. Yeah, blonde hair, blue outfit. I use that one a lot. I think there's also a purple one. And then yeah, the next one's purple. Yeah, I use those two cool. a lot. But uh, that game's fucking hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's I like. Oh, do I have to drop my gun even when I don't die? Just any little tap. Oh yeah, that oh that hurts so much. So I'm just thinking, like, is that going to be an upgrade where not drop your gun on nope. injury? No, but there are upgrades that will let you start every stage with like two weapons. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I saw one for start with spread gun, which is yeah. like, ooh, there we go. Nah, you want the machine gun? Always the machine gun. I love the machine gun in that game. Yeah, that was the first one I upgraded to start at level two. It's so. But yeah, so I'm playing this game and being like, man, this is fucking hard. Like, this fucking worm boss in stage one is kicking my ass. And I'm finally trying to figure out how to learn it. And then I look at the upgrade screen and I'm like, oh, there's some good stuff in here. And then, like, the second time I came back to it, I realized there was, like, more than two pages. Yeah. And I see, like, all seven. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, they're just making you grind shit out, aren't they? But like, it, it goes it, by way faster than you think. Like, for me, it's just like... Well, for me, it was like I spent almost all of my time playing that game with other people. Like, mm-hmm. I barely played one player in that game at all. And I ended up being able to max out Crystal pretty fast. Um, I, I did most of Sayuri's stuff by myself. Um, I don't I'm think pretty I'm, sure for, like, a year, I just... As my mental image of you in my head was just Crystal. <laughs> I, that makes sense. And I'm totally, totally very flattered. I like that. Cool. I just think, conceptually, it's really weird having a Contra game with upgrades like that. <laughs> yeah, a it is. Bit. Because it's, it's not, you know, if, what you're used to. And right now, because I'm so early on in it, where I, I can barely beat stage one, it yeah, feels it, like... It feels insurmountable to some degree. It mm-hmm. feels insurmountable, but then it feels like they've balanced the game around the upgrades rather than easy, normal, hard like a traditional game would. Nah... Uh, I, I don't feel that way. I can definitely say that you know, I've I finished the game on arcade and rising mode. And if you definitely want, you know, that typical Contra challenge, you know, play it on arcade. Uh, so, you know, the, the upgrade system is not necessary. Uh, but I think that it made it more fun for me to engage in the game with. Yeah. It's like the training wheels kind of. Yeah. I think being able to, like, all the little cool things you can do with that game, like sidestepping bullets and reflecting bullets oh, and air yes. dashing and jumping. When you get really, like, I got, I managed to get really good at stage one and could just dash through that sidestepping yep. and air dashing and reflecting everything. Mm-hmm. And it was the coolest fucking thing. I like it when you can, like, uh, vault past a dude. Like, when mm-hmm. you like, you, you dash up the on them and then, and then press the button and you'll, like, flash for a second and, like, like, you'll pop through their yeah. sprite and you mm-hmm. can like you can fire behind like <laughs> if you press the attack button after that and just get a free kill it's really cool there's it so looks... much like nuance to it yeah so that's my other question do you guys change the default controls at all no because man there's a lot of buttons in that game like <laughs> i'm used to jump and shoot and maybe a third thing mm-hmm. and this has you can jump, you can shoot, you can strafe, you can lock your aim, you can switch weapons, and then you've got that action button. Yeah. 
And it's just like, I can't hit run and jump and the action button on circle at the same time. It just feels kind of unwieldy right now. I never had uh, that many problems with it. I might move that one up to triangle or something. I might have moved, like, I can't remember. Is dash on R1 by default? I think it's R1 and L1 for some reason. okay. Well, then... Yeah, so it's it's just kind of overwhelming at first. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you've told me that you like you like the games that get really over the top and nuts at the end, like uh-huh. Hunters and Sonic Adventure Two and stuff like that. Yeah, this is like the game for that. I think it really pushes that cool. in some really cool ways. I haven't seen how this game ends up. I've only oh. seen stage one and a bit of stage two so far. Oh, it just takes all the little the nut set pieces from the previous games, like hopping on missiles and um, Contra Ooh. Three and whatever, and then just <laughs> blows everything out of the water. Yeah, and it doesn't it's like really it, it's not like it's not like Contra Four, uh, where it felt like it's just dealing from the Contra playbook. Uh, this yeah. game, this game definitely has a lot of its own tricks uh, that are mm. you know that some work, uh, some don't. But the the ones that do work feel really good. Mm-hmm. So I, I think of, you're you're definitely in for a really fun, just crazy over the top ride. Cool. I think the thing with Hardcore Uprising is that I remember it always went one step farther than I thought it would. Yeah, it like does every that time a lot. I thought a stage was about over, and then there'd be one more. It, they'd they'd step it up one more time. Yeah, and just push it over the into amazing land. Even stage one does that when that thing comes back out of the snake. Yeah, that's really yeah, cool. Like I, didn't, I didn't expect that. And then, and then the first time I was at the end of that stage, I went to jump on the helicopter and I just flew right by it and died and said game over. And I was like, oh, that, that fucking sucked. Everybody did that. <laughs> and there is nobody. There is nobody that caught that helicopter uh, the first time they played that game. I will guarantee it. Because you don't expect that to be a thing you have to do. Well, it does set you up with the jump earlier. Yeah, but... So, like, even then, I was expecting there to be a jump, and I just hit X, and my character just flew right past, and I go, wait, what? Yeah, you've got to balance your momentum uh, in a really weird way. Yeah, that's what I wasn't expecting. Because then the second time, I was just, like, hitting, smashing X to see yeah. what happened, and I saw her do a double jump, and then I was able to grab the helicopter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that game seems really cool. It's on sale right now. I For, think like, six bucks, I think? Yeah, I'm bummed that the DLC isn't uh, on sale with it because Sayori uh, grabbing her, she's overpowered as hell once you get her some moves. But it's a really cool way of approaching a Contra game with just like an all-out uh, melee character. That does sound cool. Is there any way to have like brief invulnerability in that game? Like the slide in hardcore in mm. Contra Hardcore was. Basically you can uh, you can uh, vaunt through bullets. Uh, and you can vaunt through certain enemies, but like in terms of being able to like slide through certain attacks, no, uh, there's nothing like that. I think that like Sayuri has an ability where like when you get her triple jump, uh, when you do her third jump, as long as you're moving upward, you're invincible. But I think that that's might be the only invincibility skill in the game. Huh? That sounds weird. I kind of wish they gave you a better tooltip or a tooltip oh, as to God, what those yeah. stuff the, actually does when you buy it. The manual and like the the, the technique uh, descriptions are terrible. Yeah, it's just like, oh, you can vaunt over boxes. I'm like, okay, how do I do that? 
So then they have to figure <laughs> out, like, oh, you press circle, okay. Yeah, you, you've mm. got to be dashing and then press circle. Yeah. And that's how you, that's how you like, dive past enemies as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I only just started to unlock that stuff, so I haven't really played around with it much. This is like your first time through. Don't try to focus on being that fancy. You definitely want to oh, focus. Definitely. You want to yeah. focus on survival. Um, yeah. and, and you can start doing the really fun stuff. Like I can't remember if it was me and Boner or me and Chrono where we just like we did nothing but dash and vaunt through the entirety <laughs> of the of the first half of the second stage. Ugh. It was so good. I think I remember that. It looked so stupid and just, like, over the top, but all I was doing was hammering circle. (laughs) I noticed in the second stage, just like, oh, you can kind of go over everything, just jumping and hanging on the ropes, or the vines. Mm -hmm. And you can, uh, and uh, the snipers, you can let them take their shots at you, and you can reflect those back. Oh, see, I didn't think you'd be able to reflect those, because I thought they might be... You can reflect... I think you can reflect anything that's not a laser. Even missiles? Huh. Uh, even the smaller missiles can be reflected. That's fabulous. See, I wish they gave, had a guide for this. Yeah, there's no... There's the, like, the manual is bad. The in-game descriptions of the techniques are really bad. It's like, when that game came out, we basically had to just sort of, like, dig in and mess with the mechanics ourselves uh, yeah. and find mm-hmm. out. Oh, yeah, I remember just, like... It was brand new, so I just kept playing it and figuring out all these things, and it was just really satisfying because a yeah, bunch of other and we people would, like, were doing trade it too. T- and we would like trade tips back and forth, like, "Oh, did you know that you could do this?" Or you know, it's, like, it's really cool. Yeah. Oh, and get- there's a and there's a shmup section. Yeah. Oh, of course. Well, we got we got a co op we got a co op that game sometime definitely. Mm-hmm. We will, but I got to get better. Like, yeah. Really bad right well, now. I'll just turn off all my upgrades. <laughs> that's the thing I like is that you can really customize the game in a lot of ways uh, to tailor it to your own like difficulty because like you can like once you buy all the upgrades you don't have to have them active like you know you don't have to have you know nine lives you don't mm-hmm. have to have like uh, a seven tick health gauge uh, I you have to have nine lives <laughs> there's the a um, I think that you, there's like a, a 30 life upgrade that you can purchase once you've purchased everything else yeah I noticed one of the the very bottom one was the life icon. I'm like, I bet I know what that is. I think I you can also just, lives. I think you can also just enter a, a code and it will, uh, <laughs> it won't unlock as in you buy it, but it'll unlock as in telling you what it is. Yeah. Cool. Also that soundtrack. Oh God. Daisuke oh. Ishiwatari, I think. Yep. So good. Oh, I still man. listen to it. It's on my phone. I have no shame. I love it. That's so good. I mean, what a what a way to like, what a way to follow contra hardcore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With Daisuke Ishi Watari, Watari, Watari. Gotcha. Um, one upgrade. One did upgrade. We, did, what? It wasn't the conclusion we had at the contra podcast that the, um, that the three important that the three contra games that really evolved things in a significant way besides the first one were probably super c hardcore and then hardcore uprising yeah i think i went for contra 4 as like the essentials well i think we we weren't talking we we weren't really talking about essentials we were talking about the ones that really like evolved something different and managed to pull the series forward in a way that it hadn't been before Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah this definitely feels like not the rehash that you know Contra Rebirth was. Yeah, this has got like this is like Contra slash Mega Man X or something. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, mm-hmm. kind of taking a fresh approach and look to things and not 
being beholden to conventions. Exactly. It's really nice. But it doesn't even have Contra in the name. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what I said in my review. I, is I, I refused to call like I always, I think in, like in my review for it, I just kept calling it like definitely not a contra game or something like that. I know I kept using that. Um, it plays the fucking jingle on the title screen. Like, of course, it's a contra game. Uh, it's the the game over jingle is contra one. Uh, the stage ending theme is contra one. Uh, there, <laughs> like the beginning has the beginning desert theme as a riff from the jungle theme. If you hold, I think the top. I think I think if you hold L1, R1, and the triggers, like it'll change uh, the theme to uh, a remix Contra One Jungle theme. Ah, I can see. Didn't Contra Four do a remix on if you played on hard? Oh yeah, it's really good. <laughs> people still can't get over the first stage in Contra. Yeah, like even this game that's doing really fresh and original about stuff still has the, like the wall boss. Yeah. It's funny. I like that, that would, wall. I like that wall boss though. It's an interesting uh, twist on it. Mm-hmm. Someone told me something that they preferred Contra One to um, a lot of the later ones, um, including Super C. Was this person Austin? No, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was waiting to just that, hate uh, him for another reason again. <laughs> on the basis that um, the Contra One allows for a lot of like alternative paths through the stage, in that like there is often a, an upper and a lower path. Yeah, it, there are, like, there's a lot of that actually. Like uh-huh. if you look at the snowfield, if you look at the jungle, there are like three. There's like a top, middle, and bottom section of a stage you can go through. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, they miss that um, that kind of dynamic shape in Super C, which is like, which is more focused. I think it's more focused on like the enemy barrage coming from multiple angles and just kind of timing when you move, when you stop, yeah, when you jump. Yeah, and it's and it's more kind of one dimensional in that sense. But I, I still feel like Super C is more intense, and it has that overall shape that's really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So I still prefer that. And that's but I thought your, that was and an that's, interesting and that's, and that's the ContraCast, folks. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Is it Energy Field yeah. towards the end? And yeah. what's the second to last level? The Hangar. Yeah, those definitely both have upper and lower paths as well. Mm-hmm. And you, they, it also has a minecart you can kill yourself with. <laughs> <laughs> You can also spend an entire minute trying to beat the first stage boss if you want. It's just a stationary wall. But if you're <laughs> Rhett, you can find a way to have to fight that boss for like two minutes and 30 seconds. And lose. And lose! <laughs> Eric, Eric is amazing at games, and even I bet he could beat the Contra boss. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes I can. <laughs> Oh god! Like when Rhett started like really oh. getting into Contra, um, I think it was back in like I don't know two thousand nine, two thousand eight or so. Um, uh-huh. We're telling the story again. I love it. It's like he sent me this video of him trying to play it, and he was like stuck. Like he was stuck at the first stage wall boss for like a minute and a half trying to shoot it. It's like he could not think to like get down on the ground or or find like or, or take out the guns that are firing you know, or that are blocking off the uh, the ledge that he could be on to shoot at it and he's just like flailing around for like two or three minutes and then just still eventually dies that's really funny yes really really funny i think i still have that video somewhere <laughs> oh no. no 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 i think i still have that video i may upload somewhere at some point please that'd don't. be wonderful <laughs> 
That was my first LP ever. And it was just for me. See, that's that's cute. That's what I've been up to. So that's what you've been up to? Yep. So, John, what are you into? Well, um, I've kept up with a couple cartoons that I've been watching as... (laughs) (laughs) That I'm watching as they air. Um, Steven Universe, I'm watching every week now. I actually watched it um, on TV as a novelty, and um, and that was fun. I'm not going to do that anymore, though, because commercials are awful. But um, <laughs> TV sucks. Who needs it? T- fuck TV. But it was fun to watch a show come out on cable, new. It's like, what is that even? Breaking Bad was the last time I did that. I think I can count on one hand the number of times that I've done that, and it's like... That one time, actually. I can count on one finger the number of times that I've done that. Really? I'm surprised. You can only count that one time on one finger. Huh. Mm-hmm. Huh. So, Steven Universe is, pro- is like one of the best cartoons that I've ever seen. It's really good. It continues to be really good. They just had a... Um, have any of y'all read the Junji Ito comic, The, the Enigma of Amigara Fault? I have not. Nope. Nope. I've watched some Steven Universe, though. I, I actually really like it. I just can never... I'm never able to catch it when it's on TV. Mm-hmm. I just got it and then watched it start to finish and then kept... And I'm now keeping up with it as it airs. Um, basically, there's this terrifying horror manga and they reference it explicitly in um, in Steven Universe and it makes, like, thematic sense and it makes it... And being aware of that intertextual reference makes it that much scarier in like an effective way it's it's really weird and cool that, that was the episode that just aired um a week ago mm-hmm. and then besides that the show is really sweet and good and smart and good and, and john john really likes sweet things yep also sweet things that also are horrifying i like that too like steven universe like is there's like one episode where they kind of unveil a bit of the the back story and it, it's kind of like casually pulling sort of a modica twist and then it just fades back into the background it's just like oh yeah that's a fact of this world now and it's it's just there now <laughs> so it's it's like a bunch of cartoons i like that way where it's really sweet and also really scary and also really dramatic and also just really hopeful and good um so the Steven universe is great and i'm keeping up with yuri kuma um, which is Lily Bearstorm, the new... Um, this is the show about lesbian bears. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> lesbian bears. And it's by the guy who created Utena, which super inspired Steven Universe. I hear that guy also created Utena. Um, <laughs> and, and, oh, I, I'm, I, yeah, that's what I'm watching. A shoujo kakume Utena, Polly. That's what I'm watching. I'm not just watching revolutionary girl Utena. <laughs> Still like I'm that watch- Haruha show. <laughs> Every time, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, he made Revolutionary Girl Lutina, and now he's making Lily Bearstorm. And um, Lily Bearstorm is halfway done now, and it's really, really good. Pussy eating um, bears. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, it's really good. Um, basically. Um, Utna is like a bunch of 
pretty simple, pre- pretty easy to follow stories that kind of interweave in really interesting ways. And um, I got this. This was kind of summary from Hope Chapman, a critic I follow on YouTube. Penguin Drum is one really complex story that's really hard to keep track of. And there's a lot of little tangents, so it can be kind of alienating. And then Yurikuma is just kind of the one focused, simple story. So it's probably like one of the most accessible Ikuhara shows in a weird way. Mm-hmm. And it's still um, about lesbians and Sentai. Uh, there's a symbolic layer that prevents it from being just straight porn. <laughs> um, lesbian bears, you, you y'all. got me at hentai. Lesbian uh, bears, Eric. Lesbian bears. <laughs> just keep um, saying it. Lesbian bears. Lesbian <laughs> Bears. Lesbian they really, bears. They start off the very first shot of the show is like the two lead, two of the lead girls just being looking longingly into each other's eyes and saying, I love you. And then maybe kissing, I can't remember. And then in the latest one, in the latest they're just kinda going making sure that it cannot be interpreted platonically. Which is kinda nice. I like that they're so, just straight up going for it. Yep, it's like, oh, these two girlfriends are platonically cuddling naked under the covers together and looking at old photo albums. That's platonic, and right? And sucking on each other's butts. <laughs> it's totally platonic. You do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm following this lady on the Anime News Network. I can't remember her name right now, but her she's doing like individual episode dissections of each um, episode of Yurikuma, and she's tying it into like this... Um, broader, like context of like LGBT culture and prejudice in um, prejudice against in Japan and how that all plays into like weird commentary in Yurikuma, and it's really interesting. There's a whole bunch of like cool text going on there, and it's also really dramatic and fun to watch. Cool. So I'm really digging that show right now, and it's halfway over, and it's really fucking good. I'll probably check it out when it's done. I don't really watch mm-hmm. anime as it's airing anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's totally fine. And it's, I that, won't that, watch it at all. Aw. That bit in the butt with um, Penguin Drum because I watched like half of it and then the rest of it wasn't out yet. And then so I watched that like super staggered. So I oh. really need to go back to that one so I can get a full picture of it. Maybe I should watch it super plastered. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's... Penguin drum makes no sense. Oh, it totally makes sense. Oh, no. It it's just... Not. Well, it's the least, like, accessible Ikuhara show. I picked a good <laughs> one to start t- with then. No, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, as it's facing, it's looking like... Um, well, aside from it, the most accessible Ikuhara show is the other one I just finished mm. with Anna. And it's fucking amazing. Amazing. And we just finished Sailor Moon S, which is the third season of Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, if Ikuhara wanted to just make like straightforward um, action feeling feelings dramatic shows, he could just be knocking out of the park every park every time he wanted to. And I'm really glad he doesn't. But I think that's it's cool that he demonstrated that he can do that. And it's that control of those kind of simple traditional things like the the storytelling Sailor Moon S that 
enables him to do such cool shit in like Utena and Yurikuma and Penguin Drum. But Sailor Moon is just like a really straightforward, really good um, cartoon. It the um, basically all the other Sailor Moons. It basically all three Sailor Moon first seasons of Sailor Moons are like the same story, um, where you have the villains who introduce like a bunch of monsters that are taken care of one episode at a time, and then it all builds up towards swords towards like a really big emotional climactic finale and Sailor Moon 1's finale is kind of like the big oh shit this show's really really has a bunch of feelings and goodness underneath it and um then Sailor Moon R comes along and it just kind of knocks that finale out of the park and then Sailor Moon S comes along and it makes Sailor Moon R look kind of amateurish in comparison <laughs> and there's this straightforward progression of the show getting smarter and the individual, like, the episodic, um, obviously, when the show is, like, 80%, like, air quotes filler, um, the quality of the individual filler episodes is really important. And the Sailor Moon S has, like, far and away the funniest, liveliest, best episodic storytelling in comparison to the other ones. It's really funny. And way like funnier and more lively looking and better animated than the other two seasons. And um, when it does build to the big emotional climactic moments, they're very well done and economical. And there's one really big one in the middle, and one which is actually a big part of why I saw the show was I saw um, a bunch of screen caps from the middle climax in um, Sailor Moon S and comparing it with the climax in Ocarina of Time. And um, how the two, it looked like Ocarina kind of maybe took some ideas there. It probably was just accidental, but it's interesting. And the, look, the show looked really pretty. And the execution in show didn't disappoint. Um, that show's really good. And the climax involves like a bunch of, they, they involve them fighting off like an army of molten blood demons who just like, attack all of them at once and it's one of the most like horrifying images in the series I think and they kind of go for broke in a bunch of other cool ways and the little epilogue episodes are really nice and Sailor Moon S is really good <laughs> I think um, I think if the episode count is kind of intimidating and you want to stick with just one series um, that's probably that's probably the one to go with I think you can kind of I think Sailor Moon is the fullest realization of that particular vision. Sailor Moon S, rather. And um, we also watched um, Sailor Moon R, The Promise of the Rose, which is like, it's kind of like if somebody asked, like, so the finale, these big emotional finales are like the best parts. Um, what if we just took out all the other stuff and just had that? <laughs> so it's like twenty. It's like an hour-long movie, and it's about twenty minutes of setting the stage and introducing the villains, and then it's like a forty-minute-long season finale. Is the whole rest of the movie, and it's really good. It's and so it good. Ends, <laughs> it's so good, and it ends with like everyone's on a meteor on an asteroid that's co- on a collision course with Earth, and Sailor Moon is like pulling out her silver crystal and sacrificing her essence to protect everyone, and then they all stand up and grab her shoulders and support and they're all like remembering times when Usagi did something nice to them and everybody's crying and Mamoru's crying and then the villain sees the goodness and human and humanity and 
is relink and the control of the evil space flower is rel- is lost over him because of this goodness welling up inside of him from seeing Usagi's love for her friends and everybody's <laughs> crying and then it just is perfectly lovely. Um, I think you definitely it definitely shows that if you take out all of the um, all of the episodic stuff, if you take out all that slow building up of character. And then I think you definitely lose something. So I think that the resonance of something like a Sailor Moon, the Sailor Moon S finale, or even the Sailor Moon 1 finale, is a little bit more powerful than what you get just watching Sailor Moon R, Promise of the Rose. Which makes sense, because those are like 40-episode TV shows. Right. So, um, and I guess if you, wanted, if you don't even want to watch the 37-episode TV show, lame then I guess you could just watch <laughs> Promise of the Rose and get maybe a pretty um, good chunk of what makes Sailor Moon, Sailor Moon special to a lot of people. You promise? Promise of the Rose. Oh, yeah. So that, that's also an Ikuhara, Ikuhara joint. Um, he likes roses. That's what it says in the, the opening credits, an Ikuhara joint. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and... Um, and Yuri Kuma is all about all is just cup filled up with lilies and lesbians. Um, yes, Lily. Uh, so I don't know what Yuri translates. I know Yuri translates directly to Lily, mm-hmm. at, and I guess it also translates to the l- genre of lesbian hentai or mm-hmm. lesbian stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> so lilies are a big motif in um, Yuri Kuma. What kind of flower is a yaoi? <laughs> a cucumber. <laughs> oh. Is it is it a sea cucumber? No, wait, that's not even a flower. I don't think cucumbers are flowers either. <laughs> what kind of flower is a yaoi? A potato. What I'm saying is it's shaped like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of flower What kind of flower is that? Oh, it's an Eiffel Tower. <laughs> You guys are dumbasses. <laughs> it's no more. It's more. Just as much a flower as a cucumber. Hey, I got it. I got a good one. What? What did he smoke before making penguin jump? An Ikuhara joint. <laughs> yeah, don't watch. Don't watch penguin drum to start off with. Duh. Well, I guess. I guess technically, I watched Sailor Moon R, Promise of the Rose, and Sailor Moon S first. Yeah, but <laughs> so, that, so that's good. I just didn't yeah. know they were his and Sailor Moon R but I don't think his voice is as strong there Um, the one cool thing with Ikuhara um, with Sailor Moon he obviously was subservient to the vision of the um, of the mangaka the manga author and her story Um, and then with Utna he um, as I understand he actually just got a lady uh, an established manga author I'm really sorry I don't know all their names. I feel really bad for that, but um And I'm uh, sorry that he can't say mangaka. <laughs> mangaka, you're right. And um Mangaka. Yeah, How about that terrible. there with Mangaka? <laughs> Should just say manga author. There we go. Um Mangaka. Mangakas. <laughs> um so basically this is like his thing. He got an established manga author to write a, a story for Utna with the same basic premise and just telling her own story based on that premise. Mm. And she, they, she made the comic 
as he made the show and the two like informed each other. That's really cool. It is really cool. And it also means that when he's making this story about um, the patriarchy and and like um, female oppression and lesbians, he's not just drawing from his own experiences. He's also having like a very strong woman's voice in the material, which is really cool. And this, he's doing the same thing with Yuri Kuma. And the only time I didn't do that was with Penguin Drum, which wasn't, which was the only one of the series that didn't have like super strong feminist elements. So it's, it's just interesting. I think that's neat that he, I think with um, Yuri Kuma, he specifically said that like with the Yuri content, there are certain things that I cannot access just directly on my own. So it's important for me to have this other voice. <laughs> and it's really important that like they don't really stop to think of that many times at mm-hmm. all. I, I think that's kind of a good humility mm-hmm. thing, and um, and it, it makes me want to um, keep that in mind and not just be like mindlessly parroting him as the ultimate auteur, right? Which, when it is a when all of these are cooperative joints. <laughs> um. So he is kind of the voice that really intrigues me, that links all this stuff together. But that voice is so potent to me because of these other voices that he um, chooses to work with. Um, so Sailor Moon, Sailor Moon, obviously, and Utna, and um, Yurikuma. And yeah, Sailor Moon S is really fucking good. Watch that if you don't want to watch a million hours of Sailor Moon if you're just dumb or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sailor Moon, Sailor Moon gets off. Sailor Moon the first season is a little rough um, to start with, but um, it has a ton of heart and it pays I off like in a it. really nice, and it pays off in a really nice way by the end. And then Sailor Moon R is better, except that it starts off with a 13 episode filler arc that wasn't from the manga because they needed to wait for her to catch up. And it's kind of, kind of, the climactic emotional beats don't work. So that just kind of fucks up everything because that's, that is where the show gets its heart is in those really strong emotional beats that underlie every, all the kind of silly monster of the week stuff. Yeah. And they don't, they don't fucking work in that, in that beginning of Sailor Moon. So Sailor Moon are the stuff that's from the manga is better than, um, this, than all of than the first season. But as a whole, that season isn't necessarily something you'd want to revisit, but the two arcs are self-contained, so you can just watch the good stuff in Sailor Moon, Sailor Moon R, basically. Hmm. If especially if you're revisiting, and then Sailor Moon S is basically fantastic from start to finish. John, have you heard the term moe? Yeah, yeah. I don't really have a firm grasp of the definition, but was up. Well, it's basically like the cute girl kind of genre. Yeah. But a lot of people think that term actually comes from Sailor Moon S because of Hotaru Tomoe. Mm-hmm. They think she... No, I'm, I'm not making a joke, though. No, I know you're not. I'm just saying, oh... Mm. She's the original huh. Moe. She's Sailor Saturn, right? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. She's I remember right. we paused the show, Anna paused the show and said, have they introduced Sailor Saturn yet? And I went, no. And then we opened up Google, Sailor Saturn, and it was just Hotaru. She had paused it on Hotaru's face. They were like, oh, yep, that makes oh, sense. Oh, whoops. <laughs> but then they, then they brought that up like an episode later, so we didn't really yeah. spoil much. And yeah, they took it in a direction. It is kind of weird how they go out of order. 
like Pluto uh-huh. is, is way earlier than the others. Mm-hmm. And then Sailor Saturn is the sailor soldier of ruin. The warrior of ruin brings desolation to planets. That sounds like Eric's butt. Completely the bringer of damnation. <laughs> Isn't her ability like the apocalypse? Her ability is to destroy a planet. That's a great ability to have. What's your ability? Oh, you know, I can bend metal. What's yours? I fucking destroy everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think one of the Fate Zero characters, I think um, Archer's ultimate ability is like, oh yeah, this is my sword that blows up planets. I think every Toho character is crazy and can do something to that a, a degree. Probably. They all can destroy worlds to some degree. Mm, I think the only one who act who actually threatens to do that is the one at the end of Subterranean Animism. and she's just like, I'm gonna yeah. leave this well now and burn everybody to ashes. She's the best character though. She's the best. The character. Toho powers are really stupid. Like Romelia can manipulate fate. Like what? How do you <laughs> how do you fight against someone with that power? Yeah, I was like what <laughs> okay <laughs> Maybe it's just super abstract and it doesn't yeah. actually like that's what's great things. Yeah, they're really conceptual and abstract and don't really make sense when you think about them. And then some of them are like, I can make the air four degrees warmer around <laughs> this small area. <laughs> oh wait, wasn't that? That's a, a. I think that's a railgun thing, actually. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. There's... But it's a, it's straight out of Toho. Don't tell me it's not. Yeah. We should just have a podcast where we just go over every Toho character's backstory. And well, we are going to have a Toho cast at oh some God. point. <laughs> we need Gash for that one. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Sailor Moon's good. Did you play Hyper any video Nintendo? games? Did you play any video games, John? I played two fucking amazing video games. Really? What'd you play? I played for the frog, the bell tolls for the Game Boy, and I actually finished it this time, unlike the last couple times I tried it. It's really fucking good. Do you know anything? Do y'all know anything about this game? No idea. I watched your video, and I have one question. Yeah, what? Is there a frog in it? There is a frog in it! Because there wasn't in the video, and I was very let down. Oh, you're right! No, your character can turn into a frog. Oh, finally. Yeah, I know, right? So, yeah, support the frogification of video games. Um... So, um, basically, you know, Link's Awakening, uh-huh. um, that they made that engine for this game and then reused it for Link's Awakening. Except no shit. For the Nintendo game? Yes. This is a Nintendo Game Boy game from 1992 that they made. And then they built off of that to make Link's Awakening. And it never came out in America. And it never came out in America, even though it was really fucking good. Now the, the fighting was not in uh, for the Frog the Bell Tolls, and it is a much more limited scope than Link's Awakening. Um, but, but you still walk around and explore towns and talk to people, and it has the 2D platformer segments that play basically exactly the same as in Link's Awakening, except huh. they're kind of more fleshed out than in that game. Um, the 2D platformer chunks kind of make up a sign- more significant po- par- part of it. Um, so basically, you know, like all the charm and humor in the, that Zelda game and like the funny writing and the quirky, yeah. like sprite animations and character beats. Yes. And, and you know, the um, kind of grim melancholy story. Mm-hmm. Take out the grim melancholy story. None of that. Oh, oh. So this game is just all cute and this pleasant. game is all fucking charm. Um, there's the there's the combat actually progresses automatically. You have a certain number of hearts, and you have a sword, and you have a shield, 
and then depending and then you just fight people and then you take turns hitting each other until one of you dies and it progresses quickly automatically so all the boss fights just consist of finding the of um basically just moving through the area and collecting the items as they show up and then you just fight the boss at the end and then you win um, it almost seems like an even simpler version of the combat in the first Yeez game. Yes. You just, where you just bump into enemies and win. Yes. It's but the Yeez minus the um, the part where you there's actual dexterity to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even simpler. Yeah. And then there are puzzles, and they never get, like, too taxing. Mm. Um, they're the kind of, like, environmental fetch quest puzzles where you walk around exploring and talking to people and find out what they want. And there are 2D platformers sections where you have to explore this castle. You revisit this one castle four times. It's the final dungeon, I guess. Hmm. And um, those are all pretty simplistic 2D platformer segments, but they also um, um, involve some kind of kind of heavy exploration at times. Um, but the scope is maintained enough that it never gets too in your face, too too challenging to deal with. So basically, this is kind of like the action RPG equivalent of, like, Kirby's Epic Yarn. Ooh! Gimme. Right now. <laughs> on, Gimme. On Game Boy. Gimme. It's just super sweet and accessible and charming, and at the end of it you fight a giant... A, the, you fight the giant snake, and um... With it, hugs? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And it's just, like, instead of... It doesn't just progress automatically, it has, like, a cute like series of dynamic little cutscene events interspersed with gameplay beats and it's like staged and set up it's just um there's so many like cute expressive touches to it it's it has very streamlined simplified mechanics because it's really just kind of a vehicle for delivering those cute touches You've and you I, got, I you really got like me that. wanting to play this now. Uh, yeah, because I definitely am like I'm, I'm definitely in a mood where I want something nice and just pleasant yeah. to play as of late. And I've got Gravity Ghost, and I'm going to be playing that. But I definitely am interested in this game. Yeah, now. it's also really short. It's like maybe three or four hours long, maybe less. I can take so, that. Yeah, so it's the kind of thing you take you can take in over a couple of days, and it's just a really pleasant experience and I'll probably go back to it because it was so nice and it's nice from start to finish. You've got to wonder with the success of Kirby, how did that not end up coming out here? I don't know. Maybe um, it's really funny and translating that might've been, and it's pretty text heavy. Back then there wasn't a lot of comedy in your localizations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the kind of localization that it would have had back then probably would have been pretty too dry. Flaccid <laughs> it was the word I was going to use, but um, just not really effective. Flaccid, just like Rhett. <laughs> so um, this the the fan translation that came out in 2011, which is when I first discovered the game, um, is really sharp, and it works perfect. It just works perfectly. Awesome. So basically, it's this cute game that just accomplishes exactly what it sets out to do, and there's really it's really hard to fault it. Cool. Um, and um, after that, I played um, the first two episodes, two and a half episodes out of three of Jill of the Jungle, which is an <laughs> oh. old DOS platformer. Mm-hmm. And it's also fucking fantastic. Mm. I wish I'd been able to finish it before the podcast. I was kind of aching too. But <laughs> hey, like if you would have played these like 
last episode, you, like, you and Boner would have had a heyday uh, talking oh, about bummer. those games. Because, like, I've not played them at all. Bummer. Well, the first one is pretty straightforward. They just have a, a bunch of cute, like, really neat, mechanically dense spaces to levels that progress in, like, a really natural way. It's kind of like, um, you know how in Sonic or early Sonic games where the levels will be very complex, but you still just can kind of move forward and trust the level to guide you in sort of the natural direction mm-hmm. that you need to be going. So it's very complex, but it's also very like fluid and moves forward in a neat way. Um, and it also has this really nice sense of atmosphere because of the FM synth music that we ripped off for KTB. <laughs> And um, it's just... And it's a good theme. It is a really good theme. That's the title theme. And then there's a bunch of great songs beyond that. So the first episode is this cute, interesting experience um, that's a little more layered and nuanced than other platformers of that era, I think. Mm. Um, It's by Tim Sweeney, who made ZZT, Mm -hmm. which was basically just a vehicle for that kind of expressive those kind of expressive spaces mm-hmm. um and i'm familiar with that because of anna anthropy's book on the game zzt and you can kind of you can feel how that translates into a 2d platformer in a cool way and that was the first episode and then i went to the second episode jill goes underground which is fucking transcendent <laughs> <laughs> um so it literally is a journey to hell in that it says straight up, all right, now you're going to hell. Um, or heck. <laughs> and you just start off and scare in weird alien mushroom land and then go underground and go deeper and deeper. And the music is a lot kind of freakier than the first game, than the first episode. Um, it reminded me a little bit of like Nine Inch Nails at times. Yeah, it definitely has a lot of those same kind of chords and uh um, exactly it was just like the way the the note would jump in a certain way and then i'll be like whoa that sounds like that sounds like nine inch nails what's going on here and it not pretty hate machine came out three month three years before this game so that is very and, much and, possibility. and dos games back then are notorious for lifting uh music uh, <laughs> if not wholesale then at least thematically yeah uh, like in doom yeah doom is like the prime offender Mm-hmm. So, with Jill of the Jungle, you're on this journey to hell, and the music's really freaky. Um, it's not really, it's not like a straightforward, oh, everything is scary now. It's because it's also abstract and kind of freeform. It's completely different from, like, a Mario. Um, and... And it's not like it's and it's not like and it's compare. not like straightforward maze stuff either. It's no. just it's there is no rhyme or reason to some of the way these stages feel designed at times. Mhm. But and yet there is a reason to it because you can progress through it and not get confused. Yeah. Um which is maybe where the third episode falls a little flat. Watch it playing it the third time. It doesn't feel it feels a little more muddled than the um second episode. But the second episode has this clear like thematic progression because you dig deep 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 down and then you kind of climb up at the end and then it has this ending where you like kind of climb up out and it slowly reveals this text and throughout the rest of the game text is like used mostly for like cutesy hints and like fun 
writing moments mm-hmm. in the back, and it's just in the background. And you're climbing up past these words, and you only get to see a little bit of the words at a time. And it's like, um, and way up above, you see that, and then you jump back down, and then you jump back up, and then you see, you begin to see, and then you fall back down, and then you jump back up, and it's like the light of day. And then you jump to the left, and the text is, and the thought finally enters your mind, and you leap out and see a sunset. And it says the text, you are free. <laughs> That's really cool. So it's this slow, agonizing, like, leap up of seeing all the little text as you're slowly approaching this catharsis. And then you're free from this kind of this Nine Inch nails trip to hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was that was masterpiecely. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll finish Jill. Jill saves the prince later. Um, which doesn't seem quite as good, but I didn't it's really not as good. It's not as good as Purple Rain. I don't get it. Purple somebody, Rain? Somebody in the audience will. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, um, and then I'm going to play more epic... Oh, uh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll... What is it? Prince did an album called Purple Rain, I think. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And that, so basically, this is epic epic mega games before they released unreal and became epic games and all that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I just kind of feel like tearing through all of their work. They seem sort of amazing. Um, they made the Turrican games, uh, jazz, Jackrabbit, um, epic pinball. There's a bunch of cool shit there. And ZZT, obviously I need to take a look at that. But, um, Tim Sweeney seems like a cool person. And these games, the DOS era feels like, something up my alley that I need to dig into more in the future. Cool. cool. Um, and yeah, that's it for me. Cool. Well, Tim's it's weenie. about that time again. And I know that we tend to keep our finger on the pulse of the game industry. Um, and we've got our very own special agent in the field. I like to call him. Um, I also like to call him dumb motherfucker, but besides the point, uh, we have our own agent in the field letting us know each and every episode, Rhett, how's early access doing? Uh, it's not doing well. Oh no, not again. That was going so well before. Was it? I'm not sure anymore. Just not sure about this whole early access thing. Really? You think yeah. that we'll be able to have like a an informed opinion on it by the end of the year? By the end of the year, we'll know that it's it's no good. All right, or if it is good. Uh, so Sony Online Entertainment. Oh God. Which wasn't really actually associated with the PlayStation brand. They were kind of do- off doing their own thing. Like they're the guys behind EverQuest mm-hmm. and such. Uh, they got sold though rebranded as Daybreak Studios and then a bunch of people got laid off. Yep, that's a real shitter. Yep. That's the industry, though. And this wouldn't be related to early access except for the fact that they do actually have an early access title called Landmark. Yep. Which I guess was kind of spun off from EverQuest Next. Mm Mm-hmm. Which we don't even know what the hell's gonna happen with those projects now because, you know, tons of people just lost their jobs and that sucks. But uh, you can buy Landmark on Steam right now under their fine early access program. Oh, well, you, boy. Why wouldn't you, we do that? 
Especially now that it might not be finished. It might be shit-canned. Who knows? Hey, why not? You know, we give Double Fine money. Why don't we give these fuckers <laughs> money, too? Oh, Double Fine. <laughs> you incompetent fucks. Yeah, so that happened. And that's, then That's a real shitter, though. Big bummer for the people that lost their jobs. I always feel like shit when it happens in, especially this industry, because it's so goddamn common now for people to just be tossed out on their ass for dumping years of blood, sweat, and tears into something. Oh, man. Did you see that thing on Kotaku this week? Like, stories from oh developers? Oh, my God. The pizza party thing was just amazing. Every, every single one of them was insane. Yeah. Just like, these stories of people being oh, laid that was off. so sad. Being laid off in these grandiosely dickish manners. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with people? Like, guy from another country who traveled 5,000 miles, and they laid him off even knowing that his work visa was only good for that company. Yeah. Like, fucking dicks. And then, like, the one where they laid everybody off after a successful project so that when they got the royalty checks there were only five people left to get them yep uh, like you motherfuckers this fucking business is slimy wow. and grody as shit yeah i really don't feel good about video games after reading all that and then it's like because in japan they have like the opposite problem where they can't ever let anybody go yeah so it's like there has to be some kind of middle ground between the west just shit canning everybody when a project goes bad and japan just kind of sliding into irrelevance because they can't manage everybody it's not even when a project goes bad that people get shit canned it's like when it goes good hell when a a project gets finished a company's ready to just get rid of motherfuckers yeah that's a real problem because it seems like video games should be kind of more contract work like movies but it's not centralized at all like there's no hollywood for video games right so it's like the but the business model just doesn't work for sustaining people full-time constantly Mm -mm. because you know when the project ramps down like these people got to do something but there's nothing to do oh so let's just lay them all off it's just i don't feel good about this business no it's it's terrible but uh so that was the only early access news until Something blew the fuck up a few days ago. Oh, God. Our Remember, good, our good our pal. Peter Molyneux is oh. in the news once again. Oh, that jolly guy. What good things has he been up to? Oh, he's got a new game. Oh, does he? Yeah, it's called The Trial. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. And it basically means that his last game, Goddess, isn't going to be finished. Oh, 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 oh that's another Kickstarter success story. Oh, damn. Well, it's a good thing nobody paid for it, right? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I think he got like half a million pounds on that Kickstarter. I forget. I'm going to change somebody's life. Oh, God. And then, yeah. Yeah, like, the kid, the kid that's supposed to be the god of that world is just like, oh, well, no, that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> well, apparently, like, they never implemented multiplayer, yeah. which is he would have been the god of, so... Oh, man. That's, yeah. I'm sure if you Google this stuff, you can find it. I'm not sure how in-depth we can really go, because the story keeps developing. Yeah, like, this story just keeps getting bigger every day. Like, because a reporter just straight up asked Peter Molyneux today, are you a habitual liar? He called mm-hmm. him pathological liar, actually. Oh, even oh, worse. God. Yeah, pathological is even worse. Mm-hmm. And then, like, 
right after that, Peter Molyneux gave another interview where he said it was his last interview ever, and they called him out on that. Oh my god! They're like, no, it's not. (laughs) Well, to be fair, he is a man that really can't keep his trap shut. Yeah. And I I felt bad kind of reading that the rock paper shotgun interview. Yeah, they went a little like, like, I don't think that the sentiment people have toward this project going tits up and the way Molyneux is just going off to do something else. Like, I don't think that people's reaction to that is wrong, but I think that certain ways that certain people are approaching it certainly are lacking in professionalism. Mm -hmm. I think pathological liar is definitely that. Yeah, that's, that's like, there are a lot of bad things that I would say to a lot of bad people in the industry, but I could still find it in me to be somewhat respectful, even with people that I don't agree with. It's just hard because he's Peter in the interview is talking about how like game design isn't like this nine to five job where you can predict how big or how small a game is going to be. Like you have ideas and you want to implement them and projects and scopes change it's like the exact same thing you can accuse tim schaefer of but this can be remedied by not being out there three years before your project's done and just spouting off yeah Mm -hmm. but in this case it was even worse because they're saying like the stuff we promised on kickstarter we're not going to be able to do yeah that that makes it exponentially worse mm -hmm. and i think kickstarter in general is a terrible fit for games because game development is something you can't really predict like right like, I know firsthand my games kind of change in scope as I work on them. Yeah. Like, Hunters did not start out as this three-year epic. <laughs> but, yeah, you just see these trends of Peter Molyneux consistently... Consistently just, like, he can't keep his mouth shut. Yeah. And he really needs to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only the only times that the Kickstarter stuff really seems to work is just with like small scale stuff like um Cameron Kunzelman, I think, has like did had two successful Kickstarters where he asked for like ten to twenty thousand dollars and then made the small scale game based on what he promised and delivered on that and that, then he did a third one. He's mm-hmm. running that. Freedom Planet. Another great success story. Mm-hmm. Because- FPL. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Kickstarter can work. Like, Shovel Knight mm-hmm. is another one. Yeah. But, like, Shovel Knight also hasn't delivered all the stuff they've promised exactly. yet. Exactly. Like, so if they mm-hmm. were waiting to for the game to actually be 100% done until releasing it, like, we'd be here maybe another two years going, where the fuck is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But then... But then, if you were complaining because they didn't necessarily deliver on everything they promised, then you'd be the guy complaining that sho- about Shovel Knight. And, like, yeah. <laughs> that game's pretty great, so... <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah. So Kickstarter, Kickstarter, I think is probably a much better fit for small scale projects that is harder to balloon in scope, basically. And yeah, also like, where there's less to, room to fail. Yeah. Like when that double fine Kickstarter got over oh, $3 million, God. they're still working on that game. That was like three years ago. Or, I think and they ran out of Kickstarter money ages oh. ago. Mm-hmm. That's true as well. Uh, and, and it's, it's still not out yet. Nope. It's uh, still- <laughs> uh, I just think yeah. Peter Molyneux and Tim Schafer should get together. Oh God! Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine the storm of bullshit they could dream up? Tim Schafer and Peter Molyneux get together to make a triple A version of Dwarf Fortress. 
it's down to perfect simulation down to the atomic level. <laughs> it's called Broken God. <laughs> you can do anything in this game. <laughs> but yeah, Peter Molyneux has been kind of this running joke in the industry for a long time. Yeah. I like, think so expanding that into an interview with him directly is kind of douchey. Yeah. I think that the timing of all this is really bad considering that we just snagged an interview with Peter Molyneux. Oh, oh geez, don't even... I mean, I don't even know, like, how you're gonna... Like, I don't know how Rhett's gonna go into this interview, but he has my fucking sympathies. Mm-hmm. And I said, I just said, a, um... Well, I don't know if Alex that's... Navarro has a list of potential questions for the next big um, Peter Molyneux of, interview. I thought of reading that. Oh, God. <laughs> Did you see that? It's just... I haven't seen that. Are you a lying liar who lies all the time? Why do you lie about everything so much? Please describe in excruciating detail everything that is wrong with you. Do you enjoy ham sandwiches? Based on your answer to the previous question, are you lying about your feelings on ham sandwiches? Why are you a murderer? Also, are you a murderer? When can we expect your next game to hit stores? (laughs) That's pretty good. Yep. There you go. I got some inspiration. (laughs) It's funny too when uh, people like keep forgetting that Peter Molly do like mm-hmm. the parody Twitter. They keep thinking that's the real guy. Yeah, he's taking this stuff and running with it. Like, oh, I am no longer going to make tweets. I'm only going to post Im- post my emotions via images, and people think <laughs> it's the real guy still. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's almost like you saw the writing on the wall years ago where guy notorious for breaking promises goes to Kickstarter. Yeah, you saw it happen. Colon ends up breaking promises. Uh, Shock and awe. But yeah, I think people are piling on maybe a bit yeah, too much. Yeah, it's, it's a little much. Which makes me a huge hypocrite saying that immediately after piling on. But it's it's it's... It's really tricky because, like I said, this guy has a tendency, you know, it's like, you can't say you're not promising things while promising things. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's that. Yeah. Yep. Any other noteworthy news? We've got the hottest news of all. Oh, man. Is this our cloud-built minute coming up? Oh, man. Oh, man. Way to spoil it. Oh, that's what I do. God. Yep. Uh, Cloud Built is getting a level editor. Woo! Woo! Spring break! I am super excited to see what this hell this thing ends up looking like that, because this game has some strange looking levels. The levels are just abstract as all shit. Yeah. There's like a bunch of walls and shit sprinkled in like a void. It's but great. Like, making a level that's actually fun and playable seems like it's going to be really hard. Mm-hmm. Oh god, those are going to be a bunch of garbage out there. Yeah, isn't Cloud Built like a, a first person parkour kind of game? Uh, it's not I, first I've never, person. I've never played it. So. It's, it's kind of like person. it's like it's Mirror's not. Edge with a jetpack kind of. Yeah, oh okay, then it's third person. You can run. Oh, Mirror's, oh, Edge okay. a, Mirror's Edge with a jetpack and a gun that yeah. you have all the time. That sounds like it could be fun. It is pretty fun. Red hasn't it's stopped fun. playing it for like nine years. They added a bunch of new levels with this update. Damn. The announcement. Well, not a bunch of new levels, but three new ones. So oh. That was fun. 
So they what a cool do. example of like taking a game and then keeping it alive after it was released to really yeah. good effect. And they're not they're not That's like rad. making any of these updates paid, are they? Uh, one of them was paid. The last one, right? The super fucking bullshit hard levels oh, were. Yeah, <laughs> but it was it was still only like three bucks. That's not bad. Oh, wow. Like when you consider, you know, levels are big things. Yeah, I got like and that's how much the that's almost how much the Monument Valley DLC was. Yeah, I like yeah. the colors. Oh, it's a damn gorgeous game. Yeah, oh, it looks yeah. it looks gorgeous. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just think like level editors for like platformers aren't that exciting, but something where it's like abstract freeform platforms 3D? just floating in the sky, like, and I think they said you're gonna have access to like all the DLC objects. Did my so, That's really sorry. cool. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff like the boost pads and bouncy stuff and that you didn't see a ton of in the DLC because there were only a couple levels. I like, hope there's some bounce pads. People might do crazy shit with bounce pads. <laughs> and of course, I'm weird. I kind of want to try making an indoor level. I think that, you know, like if somebody like if I'm going to trust somebody to fucking make a level with as much as you've played this game and I think yeah. that you understand how it works and what goes into the levels that are good, mm-hmm. I would trust you to make levels for this game. Yeah, but like the whole floating blocks in the sky thing has kind of been done by the game itself, so I yeah. almost want to make something different like make a city or make a indoor area and see if the camera doesn't totally break that. Base one, one and two from Contra. Oh, jeez. That's a good idea. I was thinking... I also want to make one one from Mario. Oh, well, who doesn't? Right? Who doesn't? Because you could, you could like, dash up the pipes and then jump off them. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and there's one enemy that would kind of be a good Goomba fill-in. <laughs> I've, I've thought about this a lot. Okay. I'm so, I'm so excited for the stupid level editor. I hope it doesn't suck. Well, these guys seem to be about wanting to put, like, a lot of effort into the things they do. And that speaks, you know, and I speak to that not only from the game itself, but just, like, the the way that they're committed to keeping the game alive and the content they've released so far has been more or less generally well-received. So, yeah. I mean, I think these guys, you know, you could probably bet on them to be doing something good with it. Yeah. I wonder if this is, like, the last update, like, putting a bow on it, because it's also the one-year anniversary of the release. Oh, I see. So that'll be coming out in March. Mm. Is there going to be like a, a community hub or is it just going to use like Steam Workshop or? I think they're trying to do Steam Workshop. They're not committed 100% to that yet. Yeah, it would be a lot easier, I think, to just integrate it with Steam. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's news. Cool. No more news? No. Nope. No more news. Well, I guess we can round things out. Did we get any emails this week? Uh, we did. We did. All right. Well. I love up. emails. Let's go with emails. Hey, send us emails. I really like them. Podcast at SocksMakePeopleSexy.net if you want us to say your words on the air. Yep. So this one comes in from Chad. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure we talked to him on anything. Uh, this one's more directed towards Polly. Oh. Hey, Socks crew. Love the podcast, and I've been reading the site for years. I was wondering if you could give us listeners a little inside baseball on how you put an episode of the Soxcast together. I really like those how it's made type documentaries. So I think hearing how you guys talk about an e- talk about how an episode comes together step by step would be cool. Anyways, thanks for the entertainment. It makes those long workshops go by faster. 
Cool. Um, well, I think I'm the expert here. So <clears throat> well, the oh. first the first thing we have to do is we wait for John to be late. Um, and then he, when he finally and, and to kiss Anna and tell her I love her, and then sit down <laughs> and be comfy. And then he has to make his tea, which I mentioned can, that. which can take okay. But uh, it's usually that we usually start the process by waiting twenty to fifty minutes to uh, waiting for John uh, <laughs> to get ready to even begin talking. Um, I then have to PayPal Rhett eight hundred dollars for each parent. Uh, and I do that before each episode. Uh, <clears throat> but no, on the real. I uh, wish. <laughs> yeah, uh, on the real. Um, putting the podcast together isn't really as hard as it may seem. In fact, I'm really surprised at how simple it is. Um, and, and, get, and I think that we have a generally good-sounding quality podcast without really any kind of special equipment or anything. There's nothing professional. Like, I'm using a blue snowball and uh, just some dinky headphones and i think Rhett, you're using a um some logitech thing and like your mic yeah and uh john are you i have a rock use, band phone john is using a rock band mic um so um basically what i do uh before we start recording is uh, the very first thing that you do in any audio situation is you want to get levels you want to make sure your audio sounds good you want to make sure everybody sounds about on the same level uh, or is as close to it as you can get. Uh, and, oh, I should also mention that we use MP3 Skype Recorder to record. Uh, and that's a really good program uh, that has a lot of options uh, that you can turn on and off, and you can tweak the audio to whatever quality you want. I typically record at 128 kilobits, and in mono, we are not a stereo podcast because there would be no reason. Um, but anyway, after we you know, get done getting levels, we just kind of like, um, we, 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 we plan out what we're going to do, um, by putting together just a small text file that's like, we break down into portions of the show, like there's the intro that, where I introduce everybody, then there's the, like, the what we're talking about episode, the what we've done, which is more or less the bulk of the episode these days, and then, um, like, uh, last, and then you have, like last week we did a, a special The Last of Us episode and those require a bit more planning out and sort of, you know, putting together a, a rough skeleton of how you want to tackle it and make sure you're moving along at a good pace. And then um, we just sit down and talk for anywhere from three to four hours. Um, we don't we don't do a lot of self-editing. We let conversation happen as it happens. And I think that our uh, podcast sounds a lot more natural that way. Um, and it's sort of been like the feedback that I've received, uh, <clears throat> since we started is that people just like the general conversation tone and that, you know, we don't stick to any kind of rigid, uh, outline, uh, in terms of, you know, what we talk about. We can jump from topic to topic, but that's neither here nor there. I'm getting a little bit of way. <clears throat> so anyway, once I'm finished with that, what I will do is I will stop the recording and then, uh, I will throw it into either audacity or cool edit to begin the editing process. Uh, and this, um, used to be a very long process. Uh, but what I would do is I would strap on headphones and listen to everything we recorded front to back and then cut out what needed to be cut out. This could be breaks. This could be stumbling over words or needing to start again. Um, and in the beginning, when we were doing that, episodes required a lot of work to get uh, to sounding the way that they do. Uh, but since we've been doing this for almost six months now, 
we are, especially myself and Rhett, we have become a lot better at talking. Um, like, we're better at um, explaining ourselves and not tripping over words and being able to just get a thought out or being able to roll off of one another uh, in a way to where just we don't require a lot of editing anymore. And it's mostly just editing out breaks or, like, if somebody's internet poops out or something, uh, we can come back <laughs> in with a nice uh, seamless edit. What I do after the editing is finished is I save that file as an uncompressed wave so that I can move it over to another program that does something in audio I don't like doing at all, uh, and this is uh, where I brick wall the mix. Um, I basically turn the entire waveform into as close to a square as it can be with a program called the Levelator. Uh, this basically makes sure that everything is at the same level at all times so that if there are any inconsistencies in uh, the audio um, in terms of volume levels, it's not um, really uh, jarring to the ears. And then I throw that, uh, I throw the output from that program. Uh, into uh, a simple um, uh, MP3 or uh, wave to MP3 converter file, and um, once that's finished, you know you're basically done. You know, uh, as far as you know, any extra editing, like you know, we usually do sometimes. Like if something funny happens during an episode uh, that usually doesn't make it to the actual episode, like the crazy intros we're known for, uh, you know, I will you know splice that out. Uh, before I start editing the actual episode and paste it in, and then I, you know, I have the show theme, and then I always pick a, a game over theme to put it in the end. Um, but mostly, you know, it's it's not that hard to do. Uh, it all comes together just, uh, all, you know, it comes together really fast these days. Uh, the last two or three episodes, like I've not had to do much editing at all because I can listen to while we're talking now. I'm so good at just listening to. The, the, the subjects and the things that happen and I can take down timestamp if anything it needs edited but you know compare that to like the 10 or 15 like large edits that I would need to make in earlier episodes to the you know one to two episodes I'll need to make on this uh, the one to two uh, edits I'll need to make on this episode and you know it's it's all pretty easy to come together um, so that's basically how it's done and then you just basically upload it, you know, to the site. I upload it to my server and then link it up on the site and everything and uh, kick it out to the RSS feed and it's all good. Okay. Woo! Sorry about that. It took a little <laughs> longer than I was intending it to, but I just, I sort of wanted to get the whole process out there because I sort of like those kind of like how it's made things too. So I just wanted to kind of give people, if that's something they wanted to know, I'll give that to them. Oh. That's what he asked for. Any so- more emails? Do you put the intro theme on before Levelator? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I probably shouldn't because, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. it, 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 like, uh, the Levelator is really only good if it's doing something at a consistent volume, which, you know, music is not always at a consistent volume, so I really should be splicing those in at the end of the process, which, you know, I might go ahead and start doing that uh, because sometimes you'll like, like the audio, like, if music is playing it'll start ducking out a bit and sound yeah. a little weird uh that's like usually the levelator kind of squishing it and making it sound weird so okay we've got one more email from quincy persona 4 arena ultimax and persona wait <laughs> you already talked about persona q uh what are your what are your opinions on the new persona games generating generating around persona three four and three 
I'm just kind of done with those worlds, honestly. Like, I've gotten everything that I want to out of Persona 3 and 4. Uh, and, you know, the fact that they keep just going back to that well, I'm yeah. less and less impressed. And it's just, it's more and more whorish, I guess, if you want to, you know, be vulgar about it. I just can't care about Persona 4 anymore as much as I love that game. It's just like, I don't need any more of that. What I have and what I know about that world and those characters... I don't need any more of it. So he doesn't mention it, but I have to bring it up. Did you see the trailer for Dancing All Night? Oh my god, yeah. That's... What the fuck? (laughs) I just... I don't even know anymore. It has Nanako dancing? Yes, it does. It's silly as fuck. (laughs) I played Persona 4 and watched Dana play Persona 4, and that's my whole experience with those universes. She played like five hours of Persona Q and hated it. And then oh. I was like, I don't need to play that. I played 20 hours of Persona F- Persona Q and I tried not to hate it, but I, oh God, I have, I have like the biggest hate rage for that game. <laughs> Would you say you hate it more or less than Fantasy Star Universe? Oh God. Fantasy Star Universe is just like a, a massive pile of shit. Um, I don't have the highest opinion of this game in case anybody didn't know um, I would probably rather play Persona Q than, uh, oh, wow. than I would rather Damn. play I would rather play Persona Q with as much as that game just like bored me to tears and made me angry it has the cute character designs yeah it's still got at least a little something going for it whereas like Fantasy Star Universe is just so unapologetically boring and unremarkable, and at and, and all of its systems are straight up shitty shit shit on a shit shit. Yeah, I will I will take Persona Q over <laughs> Fantasy Star Universe any fucking day. Yeah, and speaking of trailers, I guess there was that one other one since we recorded. Oh, the Persona Five. Yep. Yeah, I'm not. I'm kind of trying to keep myself in the dark on that game. Uh, oh. Like I, I, I've heard that they are doing some things that might seem a bit more interesting, but I'm hoping that narratively they've pulled themselves away from the patterns established in three and four. Yeah, high school. <laughs> well, no, there are in high school. I think in the trailer, but hopefully it's just different from that game. Did you those games? So did you not watch the trailer, Polly? No. no. Uh, okay, looks- I watched the trailer. It looks nice. I've seen the designs. Uh, I've seen stylish like, as fuck. Oh yeah, I like the style. Um, uh, but I haven't watched like the actual trailer or anything. I tend to avoid trailers of all varieties because trailers are dumb. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous how much Persona Four merch they ended up making. Where it's like you have the original game, you have Persona Four: The Golden, you have the fighting game, the sequel to the fighting game, Persona Q. The anime, the sequel to the anime, dancing and all night. The, the dancing game, like, okay, guys, w- we get it. Like, time to move on. So, I'm really glad Persona Five looks like it's finally moving the fuck on. And I'm hoping that it follows the trend of uh, PC game or, or uh, Japanese embracing PC games. I'm really hoping that you know they can see a demand for that uh, and, and release it on the PC too. I don't. 
know why they wouldn't, but Japan just confuses me. They're in a really weird spot as it relates to the PC right now, I think. You know, some people are accepting and embracing it, and they're finding success for doing so. You know, so I can't see why, you know, they wouldn't put in some resources to try and, you know, make sure that that was worth it. Especially, you know, with a game like Persona 5, which you know is a pretty big budget. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just like, if you're going to localize it for PS4 and PS3, like, is it going to kill your bank to just throw that on PC? Yeah. How could it not be worth it? I I just don't see how it couldn't, especially when, you know, that audience is so big at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, that's a series that people know even if they haven't played it mm. now because Persona 4 mm. has been going for so long. Yeah, Persona 4, like, Persona 3 is sort of, like, where it, it broke out, and Persona 4 is where it hit critical mass, I think. Yeah. Because uh, speaking of companies not doing well and laying off people, Sega also had a pretty shitty week. Oh, I guess no. they, they oh, laid off, like, God. 300 people. Oh my I think God. Sega's next to be the next uh, the next publisher to go under. Oof. I don't want to say that, but man, they did. They're giving me some THQ vibes. Yeah, yeah. it's not. Yeah, it's not really good for them they were right talk- now. They were talking about Alien Isolation to like 1.7 million, but that was considered a failure. Yeah. Oh. So, so that's no what good. <laughs> yeah, this industry is not sustainable these no. numbers not not with with how games are being produced these days and just the stupid amount of you know production that has to go into them and then you know like marketing and all of that shit it's just like i can't how do you survive as a, like a fucking triple a these days it's just it's just crazy it's like go big or go home yeah you and, pretty much got and even you. then you, there's still the chance of, of getting shut down yeah yeah. Well, at this yeah. point, everybody's gone home. <laughs> like, <laughs> a lot of them have just died. Like, yeah. The middle tier fell out so hard last gen. Yeah. There, There is no, like, really good B games anymore. Mm-hmm. I think it's starting to make a comeback, though. It's kind of, but in a different way, because it's usually indies getting bigger than it is the big guys going smaller. Yeah. Yeah. So is that about all we've got to cover in this wonderfully awesome episode of the SoxCast? I think we're good. All right. So podcast at SoxMakePeopleSexy.net is where you can shoot all your words to. And hey, guess what? We've uh, I actually set up a pretty neat little website uh, for the podcast, which, hey, I should have mentioned that before. But, <laughs> That's news. But I'll go ahead and mention it now. I set up a, a fun little website uh, for the podcast itself. I've been saying I was going to do that for a long time. Uh, the episodes will still appear on the main site, but they will link directly to um, the actual uh, podcast site now, which is socksmakepeoplesexy.net slash SoxCast. Um, you can play all the episodes in your browser now from a little in-page uh, player if you want to. Uh, they're all still there for download. Um, it's just a simple little design that works well for what we do, so there's that. I was really impressed when I saw it. That was really rad. It's just a WordPress. It's just a WordPress blog. It's really cool. It works. Uh, and and there's a search bar. Yeah, there's a search bar. If there's a game you want to see we've talked about, uh, and I mention it in the uh, uh, episode's description, which I'll be more uh, thorough in trying to do from here on. 
Yeah, um, I was thinking it's kind of too bad we don't have the original like text files that we use. So yeah, we I will. I'll definitely start putting those in there. Like maybe just like at the end of each uh, entry, like maybe something like you know games discuss, you know things discussed on this episode, and then just list everything so that yeah. like when you search it, it'll pop up. And I'll try and go back and do that for older episodes too. Um, but anyway, uh, we're gonna get ourselves out of here. Um, and we're all going to go on a big Valentine's date together. Just me, Rhett, Eric, and John. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be cake yeah. and everything. No Anna. And steak. And no what? Anna. No Anna. It's just us. What? It's just us. What? You guys can sleep on my belly. <laughs> I'm going to sleep on Eric's belly. <laughs> I realized I realized earlier today that I haven't been up, that Anna and I haven't been apart from each other for more than 24 hours in over a year and a half. How you know, great I, is that? I know exactly what you're feeling right now, John. Um, awesome. John yeah. feels elated. Awesome as hell. It, it's pretty great, yeah. Yep, it's kind of the yeah, best. I like it. I like it too. All right, so Eric, why don't you give us, uh, <laughs> give us a rundown where we can find you on the old internets. Because well, I, well, I don't think we've covered it this episode well, at all. So. <laughs> For starters, you can go to you can you can follow me on Twitch TV at uh, twitch.tv slash Eric's Joystick. Um, that you you can be emailed there. You can excuse me. Um, where if you follow me there, Twitch will notify you whenever I go live, and you can you know if you make an account, you can you know, you know kind of shoot the shit with us. And his chats screen. are always fun, so you you should definitely do so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go go do that. I make good background noise too. So even if you don't feel like chatting, yeah. <laughs> if you just want to sleep, yeah. If you just or if, if you, you just, just want to take a nap, <laughs> let let my let my my voices, you know, help you relax. And he farts into the mic a lot too. So yes, yes, I do. <laughs> uh, you can also find me on uh, twitter.com slash Eric's Joystick or I mean if you're if you're already on Twitter you can just follow me at Eric's Joystick and you can also f- I, I have a blog not necessarily a blog but it's a Tumblr page um, I want to I kind of want to do stuff on there but I don't I don't know I don't know if I can commit to that but if you if you do feel like you know you want to follow that you can go to ericsjoystick.tumblr.com and um, you can also be caught up with their you know there's highlights and there's 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 some fun picture stuff up there going on I I um I was doing a thing with um, where I just fuck around with um, Smash Brothers fucking trophy mode, the, di- the that little diorama mode they have. Mm-hmm. With uh, I, I I've been messing around with War- the Wario trophy. Yes, and uh, it involves butts. And of course, it does. Wario doing very obscene things. So you know, if you want to check that out, you can you can go right ahead. <laughs> the Tomodachi Life series was really good too. I like I like those. I'm glad you enjoyed that. I love those pictures. Those were so good. I wanna. I kind of want to go back to it, but I don't know. It's it's kind of like once you've sort of seen everything, it's kind of hard to come up with new material. But the thing is, like even even like as I was wrapping it up, stuff was still happening. (laughs) So it's like I kind of want to keep going, but the game is just it's just. eh. I've been I, I played it for a couple months. Like that's it's it was all I played on my 3ds for like a few months. So I was just like, eh, maybe, maybe I'll come back to it in the future, though. Cool, cool. Yeah. And, John, where can we find you? Um, farawaytimes.com. 
cool. Rhett, where are we finding you? Oh, uh, that's twitchtv.ericsdroystick. <laughs> In case you guys missed it. You stole my joke, you fuck. <laughs> and you can find my podcast on socksmakepeoplesexy.net slash sockscast. <laughs> <laughs> and? That's it. And inconsequentialexistence.com. You can find his games at inconsequentialexistence.com. Which, which hasn't been updated in a year. And I'm going to keep plugging it until it is. <laughs> and I'm Polly. You can find me around the forums. All that fun jazz. I'm usually there. I, I'm well, I'm lying. I don't really look at my forums much anymore. I don't, I don't know why I tell people to go look for me at the forums when I'm hardly ever there anymore. But anyway, with you that... You can also be found at Twitch TV. I can also be found at <laughs> twitch.tv slash Eric's Joystick. Yeah, actually, that's that's actually true. And that's actually true. Chat. I'm there for all of his... I'm there for every stream, so you can't say that I'm just bullshitting you there. Just, let me let me check if she's there right now, actually. I'm not there right now, actually. I'm not am. there right now? Not there right now. I keep, <laughs> like, if I know you're not streaming, I, I don't go in. But if I know that you're streaming before I go to sleep, I will go. Um, sleep. I'll Leave it on. Yeah, I'll keep it there. Um, so, anyway, uh, thanks, you all. You know, thanks again, Eric, for spending some time with us. It was super fun having you here. Thank you for having me, guys. I It was, it was fun. Yeah, I had fun. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. uh... Hey, just remember, we're the podcast that loves you. We're the only ones that love you. <laughs>